Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Papers this morning talk about uh, the amount of rain and flooding we had uh, over the past 24 hours. But they're also saying, like the star today says, that um, the mercury is set to continue to rise across the world summer after summer after summer. So that in about 50 or 60 years time, uh, summers will be at least three degrees uh, hotter um, summer temperatures in Ireland to rise by three degrees by the end of the century. None of us will be around for that unless you have a child that's just born or two or three years old, I suppose. Perhaps. But anyway, to more, I suppose, well, they are serious matters, global warming, climate change. But uh, talking about sunshine in places you could or couldn't go overseas if you were choosing to venture abroad. And of course, there was this green list of countries that got uh, slashed yesterday and off the green list came Cyprus, Gibraltar, uh, Monaco, San Marino and Malta. And I remember at the time, how do you get to Monaco without uh, going through Italy or France? That was the funny thing because it didn't have an airport, but they're gone now. So the countries still on the list include, if you want to go on your holidays and, uh, you know, suffer the wrath of public opinion, Finland, Norway, Italy, Hungary, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, the Slovak Republic, uh, Greece and Greenland. So some Greece, nice place to go, I suppose. But those ones are gone. And a lot of uh, things yesterday announced... And all of it bad news. Um, so the green list of countries are reduced. The pubs and restaurants and hotel bars and nightclubs and casinos will all remain closed. Now, I will come back to that in a few minutes' time. Uh, outdoor gatherings aren't changing either. They remain at 200 for, say, ga matches or soccer matches or whatever. Um, they had hoped that it would go to 500, but it won't. Uh, as well as that, of course, you've got um, uh, no changes to the possibility of a, of a bigger wedding. So indoor gatherings at 50. But interestingly, from Monday, uh, face coverings uh, will be mandatory, which means that you will have to wear them. I don't know what will happen if you don't wear them. You know, is there a fine attached to that? Does anybody know? I mean, will there be somebody on the door to say, if you don't have a mask in a supermarket, you can't come in? And of course, the pubs don't get to open. So all of the front pages this morning talk about, as the Echo puts it, the fury and despair over the government's pub snub. Uh, there's no light at the end of the tunnel at all for publicans. And it's not so much just about whether or not you can go into a, a pub or not to have a pint. It's the livelihoods behind them. The jobs, the businesses, the bills that need to be paid. And it's all very well for me, Hallmark, to say I have enormous sympathy for pub owners hit by the delay to entering restrictions. But the caller papers then this morning, the Red Tops talk of the Mirror's front page, Barmageddon. The star calls the whole thing pointless. And the sun this morning says battered and boozed. Um, and uh, the sun also on its inside pages says uh, unhappy hour again. And again, and again. So three times now, uh, the pubs have been told, sorry, you can't open. And there's speculation that, uh, you know, they won't open enough for the summer or what's left of it. And some are suggesting that pubs who don't serve food won't open at all this year. I, 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 when I was away, I did read somewhere that the HSE was suggesting uh, that unless you live with somebody and you're in a partnership with them, that people, including young people, should have... Um, uh, phone sex or online sex as opposed to physical sex which sounds quite bizarre to me but um, it's a story that seems to be rumbling on in the newspapers that has to do with COVID-19 and not passing on uh, the infection, I suppose. Uh, and more uh, graffiti. The examiner has a story regarding more graffiti to the Victoria Road sign um, covered in black paint on the two signs in the Victoria Road yet again. They don't know who's behind it but obviously somebody very unhappy uh, with the use of uh, regal names 
on our streets. Um, and the papers this morning, all of them, and I will come back to this and give it a little bit more time later on this morning. A boy, a 12 year old boy by the late name of Luke Hanlon is in all of the papers today. I have the story from the examiner this morning. Um, for 10 weeks, he couldn't face his classmates because they, they branded him as a suspected thief. Apparently money went missing from the teacher's purse in the staff room, right? This is up in County Leash. Uh, in a national school. So money went missing from the teacher's purse and staff room. And the headmaster asked four senior classes to mark on a piece of paper who they thought was the culprit. And the children blamed Luke. Um, and he had to walk out after being taken from class and questioned about the alleged theft. And he missed 10 weeks of class and 10 weeks of school. And of course, he was mortified and shamed, as were his family. But they were having none of it. So the whole thing ended up in court. Um, and in Tullamore Circuit Court, the judge described his teacher's treatment by the teacher and the board of management as appalling. And she ruled that a 20,000 euro settlement for the board was reasonable compensation for having damaged the boy's character. So hopefully more on that a little later on this morning, because, I mean, it must be awful to have an accusation made against you that's unfounded and untrue. But it must be doubly or trebly or a thousand times, a million times worse for a child to have like something like this. I mean, has that ever happened uh, with any of you guys or your, your children in, in schools or situations like that, text 0868104106. But I'm glad that the parents didn't take it lying down. That's a terrible story that makes all of the papers today. There's some light and colour and shade also in the papers this morning. Like, if you ever want to fly again, it won't be too long before you'll be able to fly to New York in, in two hours. You know, Richard Branson uh, looking to the skies to bring back supersonic air travel. They're teamed up with Rolls-Royce uh, for a new airliner that will make the trip to New York from London two hours, um, and Sydney, five hours. No questions asked. Up, down, two hours, job done. And if you like your music, and who doesn't, um, and you follow different artists, uh, I have the wrong article on this, because the article I was looking for actually gave examples of the amount of money that could be made by different artists playing in Vegas. That's the one I was showing you. But many of them go to Las Vegas, but you'll never find Paul McCartney playing Las Vegas anytime soon, because he describes it as the rocker's Graveyard, he says. Las Vegas, he says, is where elephants go to die. The Neil Prenderville Show with Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to Tesco.ie. Xo eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Our lines are open, so we'll come back to a lot of the caller stuff throughout the course of the morning. So, what do we know? We know the three and a half thousand pubs across the country who don't serve food cannot open. On Monday, um, the chances of them opening in the next weeks are fairly slim. They will look at it again in perhaps some weeks to come. Some are suggesting, in fact, that the pubs who don't serve food won't open anymore in this country until perhaps sometime next year or indeed until there's a vaccine. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? But it's devastating for businesses. And if we just park the argument of, ah, oh, why are people all so desperate to have a drink? If we just park that for a moment and just look at livelihoods, the businesses, and the bills to be paid. Um, Des Cahal, Cork Fine Gael t- uh, councillor, recently, overnight actually, tweeted, the Taoiseach Micheál Martin today blocked pubs opening. And Des says, it's time to wake up and smell the roses, Micheál. Um, it's the mega food processing plants uh, owned by irresponsible employers that need to be closed. This is where the majority of new Irish COVID cases are stemming from. And you know something? In, in his fact... And what he's stating, he's absolutely right. Because these clusters are coming from meat factories, we saw that yesterday, and from direct provision centres. Des Cal joins me by phone. Des, good morning. 
Morning, Neil. So, in theory, you're right. Like, that's where we are seeing the spikes coming from. Yeah, if you look at the figures so on, on the, the HSC website, you know, Cork City and County, 500,000 people, had an average of one case a day for the month of July. And yet yesterday, this, it's announced that 33 cases come from Kildare. They're you know, implying most of them come from one single meat plant. So in one day, one meat plant equates to all the cases in Cork City and County. And the difficulty I have is that what this should be about is fair play. We all know of restaurants and we know of bar restaurants that are inspected once, twice, three times a day by the Gardaí. And right, rightfully so. And are they? I mean, do you, do you know of that? Yeah, yeah. Where? In, um, in Cork, like, is it? In Cork, yeah. Um, my, my own local, actually, Longboat, so I was having dinner there and the Gardaí came in last week for one of the top when I was there. So uh, I know from speaking to city centre traders that their guards are coming in and they don't have an issue. with. No, I know that they don't have an issue. I'm just talking about the amount of times they're calling per day. Yeah, I've heard of some cases where, where some had up to three times and they were a restaurant. Rest, they were more of a restaurant than an actual bar. But my point is... But how can the guards find time to visit bars well, and restaurants three times a day? Yeah, well, I suppose if you're city centre-based, it's probably a lot easier because there's more guardia, as we know now know, in the city centre. But my point is, how many of them are going into meat plants? I mean, we've seen the meat plants time and time again for the last number of months. Spike, spike, spike. Last night, if you looked at RT TV news, uh, one of the spokespeople outside of the plant in um, Offaly said, look, there's 350 people work here. They're obviously going to be on top of each other, but what are you going to do? It's pretty much what he said. I mean... You know, it needs to be one rule for all of us. Um, and that's, that's a difficulty I have. And obviously, I think some people on, on Twitter, I didn't look at all the comments, but some people were very upset. They were saying I was, it was all to do with the schools. And of course, we all want the schools to reopen. Um, that's, that's obvious. But we can't say everything is, is all linked and therefore it covers all decisions we make. I mean, I do think that if you look at the, the businesses that are, are, are affected, um, not the customers, as you said, this is as much about mental health as there's anything else. Um, like, they are one professional businesses that are licensed, they're used to having to stick to rigid rules. Um, and, and at the same time, if you look at meat plants, highly regulated from a food hygiene point of view, um, you would imagine they should have a relatively easy transition into a, a stricter regime than other businesses. And yes, there's problem after problem after problem with them. And we don't seem to get a huge amount of information about what's been done about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, is it, is it a case that if the pubs opened, maybe Mio Martin would be suggesting that the pubs then would end up like meat plants and direct provision centres and you'd have loads and loads of clusters of COVID coming from people interacting and hanging out with each other in pubs, you know? Yeah, and it's fair to say we are dealing with, with somewhat of an unknown, but it's an old to a large extent for almost six months now. And when regulations are put in place, I mean, if, if you look at premises now, no matter what they are, what kind of shop they are, or bar, or restaurant, they're very different than they were before. Um, and people's behaviour in them is very different than it was before. Now, I am talking the vast, vast majority. There are isolated instances, as we all know. But if you look at family-run businesses, family-run pubs, who were very keen to stay... Um, you know, stay sound and not go bust. And if the rules are put in place, additional rules it would be, I know that, that they would adhere to them. Um, but to, to kick them further down the touch, and what I fail to understand is that I'm not hearing any clear messages of what is happening with the meat plants, the food plants, 
because all we're told, you know, it's pocket after pocket. You can go up and down any major county with these large plants and they've all had major cases. And why isn't this being addressed as aggressively as every other sector? It doesn't appear to be. Yeah, but I think three and a half thousand pubs across the country, the small, the medium and the large, would have an awful lot more people uh, mixing, mingling and socialising than would ever be working in the mega food processing plants that you're talking about, you see. Yeah, well, I suppose that gets back to a theory, as you, as you know, and many would know that I, I was in the, the food business for a long time, butchering plant, and I had a theory for a long time that the health inspectors made the rules more difficult for the smaller guy because they didn't want them. They only wanted to have to go to a handful of big places. Well, um, I mean, in my very small shop, we had, we had to adhere to the exact same processing systems and protocols as, as, as the biggest meat plant in the country. And they're kind of going, but you were a completely different business. Okay, but are you, are you, you know, saying so that, are you saying that the government of which your leader actually, Leo Varadkar, is part of, are you saying that they should have allowed the pubs to open Monday? I mean, well, le- leave your leave your criticism of the meat plants aside, but look at the pubs. You saying they should have been open? That it's critical to their business. Well, they said yesterday. It was said that if the number was at sixteen yesterday, the bars would be with phase four. It's not all about the bars either, but phase four would go ahead, and it was forty odd with thirty three of them coming from a single plant. Yeah. So you know, are you saying not- what's the problem then? Well, I'm a large part of the problem. Are these large plants? No, I'm, but I, I asked you to pack that. Okay, I acknowledge that. But are you saying that the pubs should be allowed to open? I think under strict conditions, they should be. And what would those conditions be? They may reduce time. So somebody suggested opening, say, between 5 and 10 or whatever, the, you know. And, um, obviously, they might have, they will do it at a reduced number that are allowed in. Um, and, you know, and, and create distancing within the pub where possible. That's, you know. But they did introduce further restrictions on pubs yesterday that serve food and restaurants. They have to have everybody out by 11 p.m. sharp. Yeah, well, as I said, I suppose the main, you know, uh, well, I know down the road in that already in, in, in the temple. And so, I mean, I thought some of the pubs were already kind of seen to more restaurant hours than pub hours. So I don't think that would come as a huge imposition to most because I think a lot of them were, were being, a lot of them see themselves probably more as a restaurant now than a pub. Um, and when the kitchens were closing at nine, you know, last drinks were ten, half ten, and, yeah, yeah. and then out by heaven. So yeah. I don't think that's going to change a huge amount of um, of, of habits that have, have just recently started, frankly. Okay, so then the pubs that aren't open, three and a half thousand, thousand of them, you're saying should have been allowed to, should have been allowed to open uh, with strict, restricted amounts of people allowed on the premises and restricted opening and closing times. Yes, because if you look at the numbers, take July, where other pubs and restaurants opened, and I track the numbers every day, and there's an average of one case a day in Cork City and County, 30 days. And it's, it's, so if there was going to be a spike because of increased social activity in the larger restaurants and bars that were serving food, we would have started to see that much more clearly. We're not seeing it. Um, because you have very... To the large extent, yes, I have no doubt some callers will come in with some rogue traders. They'll be, they'll be dealt with and they'll be found out. I think the public themselves, if they go into a place and they don't see the rules really being adhered to, they'll leave themselves. But, you know, uh, you know, I think we should have expected if the relaxing and the speeding up um, of the rollout, which did occur... Um, against what the advice was they went ahead and actually said no do you know what we're going to speed up a little bit here things are looking good 
and they have looked good in the last couple of weeks again we've had cases of meat plants up and down the country okay, okay. Yeah, the yeah. Well, you're saying the, the virulent cork is one per day for the last 30 days you're saying Yes. That's incredible, yeah. that figure, actually. Okay. Can I just that? Okay, so this is where we're at now, and there's no compensation or no package or no kind of uh, help at all for the publicans who can't open from the government, of which mm-hmm. Fianna Gael are part of. So if they're not yeah. allowing them to go and do their business responsibly, why aren't they helping them with the financial package? Yeah, I suppose they're helping them in certain ways. There's no doubt... Um, I know certainly from being on the council, we we have yet to receive the um, exact way in how they're going to deal with rates, uh, even though we know they're not going to have to pay it, but that hasn't been properly set up yet still, despite repeated calls. Um, I really don't know. And, you know, the the numbers are substantial. The numbers of people affected are substantial. It's hard to see it. Um, It's not going to be a a, a silver bullet and cure-all, no matter what they do. Um, And I, I... I'm really exasperated as to know how these families and how their employees' families are actually coping because, frankly, I can't imagine how you can cope. Because bills have to be paid. Um, Just before I let you go, there was a tweet that was put up by your leader, Leo Varadkar, overnight. A time, of course, when we're talking about businesses like publicans not being able to open, where he said, something to cheer us all up on a difficult day. Ireland come good to defeat England in the cricket, uh, and he got fairly lambasted by people saying, where are your priorities at this time? Are you aware of that? No, I didn't I didn't see that tweet. Um, or look at, I mean, on social media, people, we use social media for lots of different things for, for you know, for humour, for family connection, for, for, you know, X and Y. Well, like a you tip know, example of it would be, would be, are you... Nitpicking isolated, ta- not you, but, you know, if people start, you know, nitpicking... But there are, no, there are lots of these. Talk about our, I, and I'm delighted that Ireland beat, no, I'm delighted that Ireland beat England in the cricket and we have a super cricket team who now have to go into isolation for two weeks. But people are saying things like, are you for real? People's livelihoods are on the line here and you want to talk about cricket. Yeah, and I, I can understand how people can feel like that, but I think sometimes you have to, you know, you know, you, you, it's, it's the same as when they took a photo of him in Phoenix Park. And, and you know, if if you can't, I thought his answer to that was was roughly speaking, you know, that's, it kind of comes with the territory, and if I, if I fear that all the time, I'd never go out. You know, I think you can't take, sometimes you can't take the personality out of what people will say. That doesn't say that he doesn't wish for the three and a half thousand businesses um, to to survive and to thrive. And but he, the, did he did he say that on social media yesterday? But I don't think it need, I don't think it needs to be said today. Right. I think okay. he I think he handled the crisis in a very okay. Um, okay. Can fair I just, yeah, way okay. as much as he just, could. Just and actually, people want to look at the figures because they might question where did Des get the figures. They're open to everyone. HSPC is the website. That's the one. That's the one case a day in Cork for the last thirty days. Yeah. So if you look through the COVID uh, cases, you can break it down to county, and then you can go through all the figures. And if you're okay. so, so inclined, I mean, no, it's, a, it's an eye opener for me. Thank you for that. I mean, okay, we'll, we'll fact check it, but I'm sure you're right. Just between you and me, just before you go, then this sure. is just only between you and me. Yeah. In spite of all of that's gone on over the last four or five weeks, and we have a mm-hmm. new government, and Mihal Martin is, is the teacher. Do you not get the kind of impression that kind of Edgar is still kind of regarded as the Taoiseach? Um, no, I, I suppose it's more difficult for me to say he's the leader of my party. No, but like, um, honest, like honestly, do you not get that? I just have this kind of monkey on my shoulder that I still get the impression that he, like the impression that he is kind of shadow dancing around Michal and like seems to still think and act as if he's Taoiseach. 
No, well, I can tell you, Neil, most people around here are fully aware that uh, Cork's second teacher lives very close close by. So I think many people in Cork are very uh, most more aware of uh, Michal being Taoiseach, um, and he is Taoiseach. Right. So, okay. you know, okay. no. Just, a, uh, just yeah. a thought. All right, I'll let you get on. Thanks, Des. Thanks for taking the call. Bye. Councillor Des Cow, text 0868104106. Back up to the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Yes, indeed. 1850-104-106. That's your line to this program for your own thoughts and your own comments and your own take on things. You can also text 0868-104-106. Let's stay with the phone line, shall we? Lynn, good morning. Hello. We were, good kind of, we were kind of half expecting this yesterday and then it happened. Um, so your thoughts on it anyway? Uh, well, I, I guess I'm angry because um, all, I, I have a holiday home and I'm in Bandon and I've been locked down since um, the 3rd of March. And one of uh, my locals uh, near to me is the Kilmichael Bar. And I was just angry because I know what the bars have done, but I also know how they operate normally. Um, and <laughs> to be fair, most of the small rural pubs have a handful of people that it's their hub, it's their social hub. They go in every day. They're mostly social distancing anyway. They're not crowded. There's a few guys at the bar. There's a few people going in for breakfast and they're being penalised because of the the huge numbers that go into mostly the Dublin pubs and things that I've seen on the news. So, um, Well, they could have given some kind of... Um, I don't know, dispensation to small rural pubs, you know, they didn't. Um, it's kind of a one size fits all, you know. I mean, you're, you're right in that regard. Okay. Yesterday I was talking to Jacko's pub in Ballinacurra, and exactly like your local pub. It's got the handful of customers coming in in the morning, nothing across the afternoon, a few people in then at tea time, and a small crowd yeah. then from time to time of an evening, no? Yes, absolutely. And that's where the whole thing has gone, you know, totally sort of uh, awry. But, um, but I also, on another side of things, that we all have a duty to ourselves to look after our own health. And if I was to walk in somewhere and they weren't following the rules or I felt there was too many people, I'd just walk out. And I think we're losing the personal responsibility. We're waiting for somebody to tell us what's the right thing to do or not do and losing all perspective on what we can do for ourselves. You know, that's that's another sort of thing that makes me um, quite angry that um, it's like I'm not going to wear a mask because it's not mandatory where in actual fact it can save lives. So the whole thing has got a totally out of perspective and maybe I've just been locked in too long and been you didn't, you didn't get you didn't get you stuck know. here did you um was that the case oh, yes I've been here I no I chose um to say because I was here when um the lockdown came and um and I actually had a flight booked to go back to England but because of my own health I opted to stay because I didn't want to to risk I didn't know what the virus was going to do and thankfully I did the right thing yeah. because had yeah. I gone over to England, I'd have been stuck in a house in a rural area with no, you know, nowhere to go. So, um, so yeah, it was the right thing to do. But, and I don't mind that. But, uh, but yes, I've lost my social going for a coffee in a morning, which I quite often do, um, walking down, you know, to the pub and um, um, it, not even to have an alcoholic drink. You know, it's just that social hub and it's been lost and how, so many. And, and how come you stay, you're still here? I mean, you could have gone to the UK. 
Um, I well because people are being encouraged not to um, not to travel unless it's necessary. Now I've reached the point where I'm I have a flight booked, but in actual fact, this morning I had an email from Ryanair telling me that flight has been cancelled and they've moved me on to one the day before. So it's you know, in the lap of the gods at the moment as to whether I, I do get back to England in a couple of weeks' time, which is what I plan to do. Uh, would you think but, you, um, do you feel safer here or there? Yes, I feel safer here. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Have a good day, Lynn. I'm just texting in regards to the pubs. I was out two weekends ago, a former nightclub that is now a restaurant in inverted commas, and there was food being served. The tables weren't two meters apart. We arrived at nine. We were there till midnight. If nightclubs can do this, why can't pubs? Well, I suppose anybody can do it if they're, if you're big enough and you serve food. It's like the smaller ones, really. They're the ones, you know, the three and a half thousand, many of them family business, very small rural pubs. That's the problem. Uh, I've served alcohol in a place on Saturday night with no food. Some people were ordering food, but we were never asked if we wanted any or not. The government are keeping the pubs closed, but it's okay to have 30 people on a GAA pitch for over an hour trying to maim each other with no social distancing. This whole thing is a joke. Most rural pubs will be out of business. That's what the government want. Just a suggestion, says Callum, uh, regarding bars. Don't order stock before the government announces you can reopen. Wait until after it confirmed, as not many people would be running to the pub on a weekday. So Callum doesn't buy this argument of all of the stock that's been bought in in advance. Barry says, I was in a city centre pub yesterday, which would have been probably Monday. And it looked, I was in the city yesterday and it looked fab. Loads of people were outside eating and drinking. It was a great experience. It had a really feel-good atmosphere and people were enjoying a great city, says Barry. You'll see that on a good day when it's dry and the sun is shining. We ate in a bar in the city where social distancing was very evident. All the staff wore masks or visors. The floor staff were constantly sanitising tables and chairs. The numbers inside were well controlled. It was a pleasure to eat there. Regards, says Jar. And one would wonder, why can't pubs be allowed to do the same thing? Where the staff are wearing masks and visors. You don't drink at the bar. You don't sit at a stool at the bar. Tables are sanitised and the numbers are controlled. If you have screen dividers up between seating, do you still have to be two metres apart to be able to stay as long as you want? <laughs> I'll come back to that. The behaviour in a certain pub in the city over the weekend was quite appalling. There was footage all over social media. No food, no distancing and music blaring. No staff were making people stop the carry-on either. I think you were referring to the video footage that was during the rounds um, regarding Secret Garden at the weekend. And I did see that video footage and we asked them for a comment, but they never came back to us on it. Now, the video footage that I saw had people sitting um, at their tables. I think a lot of the time there were, you know, high tables with stools. Now, they were all sitting at their own tables. I didn't see anybody wandering around from table to table. So I did see an amount of distancing between the tables. But it did seem like uh, as if it was a nightclub where people were sitting down. There was an awful lot of people in the video footage that I saw and the music was very loud. So in some ways it did look like as if it was a nightclub. But I didn't see in the footage that I saw people moving from table to table, you know. So that was just the 90 seconds of it that I saw. Before COVID, most pubs you went to during the weeknights would be nearly empty uh, by the weekends. These pubs barely make enough to exist. Do the government think that by opening them up now, they're going to be flooded with customers? I don't think so. That's just a selection. Text 0868 Sean is on 6. Sean, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? And, um, of course, from Monday now, you will have to wear... A face covering in a shop or in a shopping centre or in an indoors retail outlet. What do you make of it? 
Um, when you had things, you, uh, you didn't know how it would be policed. And I don't know either, and I don't know anyone who does, but I would like to know how it will be policed. And I would like um, Michal Martin uh, to come on and explain exactly how it would be policed. Because I feel we're kind of losing a lot of our civil liberties under the, the guise of this mythos, who has an unelected body who seems to be running the country. Yeah, they're medics, man. They're medics. Like We need medics to tell us where we're at, you know? We may need to consult with. I don't think they should um, have, you know, rule over every single decision because they they have, like, a pretty tunnel vision. They, if medics had their way, we only would need the house. But we have to... We need to kind of strike some balance. But my concerns for... When I hear the word mandatory, I just think police, fines, jail... And it has, um, I know in the, uh, the UAE, uh, the United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi and some other countries, you have undercover police. And if you're caught with your mask down even for a second, uh, it's on the spot fine or arrest. And I, we have already have the police going into the pubs and I'm not sure if they're all in uniform. But how are the police, how are the guards finding time to go into pubs and restaurants every day when they didn't have time to do everything else before COVID. How exactly? Again, no, seriously. Like, I mean, what, that deal, what, I, does I that, what does that mean about what they're not able to do if the guys now are spending time visiting pubs and restaurants? Yeah, and is it even... Uh, I don't see even how it can be a prior... It doesn't even seem to be pro-health or pro-COVID. It seems to be anti-drink, anti-society. Anti, they're like the anti-fun brigade. It's like... Method and these quangos and all these enforcers, it's kind of like we have all the guys that you join the priesthood. I don't know if they have become the new Catholic Church, as it were, that they, every waking moment has to be at their behest and their control. We got, we took how many years to get rid of the Brits and then rid of the church. And, and now we seem to be, want to be, do we want our every waking moment now to be guided by, by Nephet and all concerned? We didn't elect Nephet. Do you wear a, do you wear a we mask? Didn't vote for Nephet. I'm not saying I voted. Who uh, I voted you, for can you hear what I'm saying? Do, do, you, do you wear a mask? I wear a mask if I have to. Not so much that I believe in the mask. I believe in public transport. I wear it on public transport. Do you wear it in a supermarket or a shopping mall? Yeah, it, Neil. My you would be. It's a kind of a personal decision. But if I'm required, or if I do feel I need to use the service. No, no, like, no, no, yeah. no, I mean, it's a straight question and it deserves a straight answer. You go indoors somewhere to purchase or to browse, do you put on a yeah. mask? I prefer not to. If I'm required in certain places, I do for work situations, uh, or a haircut. The original narrative, Neil, on the mask was that extended exposure in close proximity to somebody was where the danger came. I.e. 10 or 15 minutes face-to-face. I know that. They're saying 15 yeah. minutes. I get all of that. But yeah. from Monday, when it's mandatory, and again, I don't know how this is going to be enforced or whether there'll be a fine or not. Maybe somebody will tell me. Um, yeah. But will you then wear a mask now for Monday? Uh, well, I've worn it on public transport. I don't have a problem. I've worn it going into hospitals. I guess if I really push comes to shove, I will. But I prefer not to be told to have to wear it. And I may decline to wear it if I don't really feel the or if I feel I can go somewhere. Yeah, but it, but I think the choice should be mine. But it's if not going. It's not going to be yours. So I'm asking you a straight yeah. question. Somebody says to you on door, you can't come in or you have to leave because yeah. you're not wearing a mask. What will you do? Um, depending on the situation, if I have to, I will. But I just feel there's an end of the bullying involved. The other thing I would like to know is: is there going to be? A being closed, Garda inside in the shopping centre or in the in the store that can arrest me on the spot and find me and ask me for it. I would like to know that question. I think 
you would be doing us all a service, Neil, if you could somebody get somebody on. And like you said to me, answer the question straight. Get them to answer that question straight. Are we going to have plain clothes police watching our every move once we go indoors? Eh? Okay, okay, that is a question that I will get answered. If it's mandatory, how will it be enforced? Okay, thanks for that, Sean. Appreciate it. Just, uh, just ahead of, uh, take a couple of calls. I just want to do a quick ad break. So if Kenneth and, and Pat can hold on, but it, it's quite interesting because you, you know you go into places and you wear a mask, and I wear a mask indoors all of the time. You know, if I go in. I was buying paint recently in DIY shops. I was in a supermarket yesterday. Um, but what I find kind of strange, having been around the country over the last couple of weeks, is um, certainly north of the border, um, you don't see as many people wearing masks. And you actually don't see as many staff in different establishments wearing masks. Some do, but you see lots don't. So they don't have face coverings, they don't have visors and stuff like that. But down here, um, what I did notice, though, you see more on the south than the north, is what I'm saying. But yesterday, I got a really... This isn't the first time that this has happened, but I was in a supermarket with a mask. And you, you, you kind of feel like a bit of a, a bit of a freak wearing a mask, or at least I did yesterday, considering that so many people weren't wearing a mask in a supermarket. And I, and I was wondering, like, you kind of feel, do people think I'm sort of a, a hypochondriac or completely over the top? Or how do people who aren't wearing masks walking around a supermarket feel? Are people walking around the supermarket wearing a mask? What do they feel? Like I saw mothers with, with children or, or mothers with, with teenage kids with them. Neither the parents nor the child wore a mask. And I'm wondering, would the child ever say to the mother or the dad, why are those people wearing masks and why aren't we? Just a thought. Back after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Just with regards to Monday and the mandatory wearing of masks. Again, it's very unclear. Even listening to the advertising there, they're not saying who's going to enforce it and what will happen if you don't wear one. But Retail Ireland have come out already. Also, the unions involved in looking after the staff who work in retail are saying, do not think that the staff in shops or retailers... Uh, outlets or shopping malls and arcades are going to be the ones to enforce this. You need to come up with some sort of a plan to enforce this if it's mandatory, because mandatory would mean law. And then with regards to the law, then there would be a fine or perhaps a, maybe a, a court appearance if you break a law. But Retail Ireland are saying, yeah, but we're not going to be policing this. We're not going to be the door staff or the bouncers engaging with the public, you know, preventing them from coming in and putting our staff and our members and uh, our union members at risk. So, again, more confusion when they come out with these ideas. But the, all the pubs are open in the UK, for instance. I wonder how they're getting on over there. Or indeed in Holland. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Nice okay. to talk to you. Again. And you too. Uh, so the schools opened, didn't they? The schools have been open here since May, actually. Okay. Uh, restaurants opened up in June. The same with pubs, but obviously with some uh, restrictions uh, given the nature of the virus. But um, what's going on at home, it just seems to be spin and fair and. Uh, Almost uh, political mongering. Uh, I don't understand this. It's very uh, strange to hear of these uh, conditions again imposed yesterday on the bar owners. It's uh, there's there's no sense going on here. And how are the numbers in Holland? Well, we've had some pockets of um, increase in the virus uh, over the last six weeks, but that's mainly because of people going on vacations. And coming back and not going into lockdown for right. designated uh, okay. two weeks. But what kind of a COVID did, like we had over 1,700 deaths, over 30-odd thousand people tested positive, stuff like that. What, what was the yeah. comparable figure in Holland? It would be just above that. Okay, okay. But in, in spite of being above us, is the R rate now below one in Holland? 
the R-rate is slightly above one. Okay, so thank you for having that information, the population Pat. population as well, I mean, the population as well is 17 million, eh? so they're doing a fantastic job over here with controlling um, the, uh, like, yeah, like the impact of this uh, virus. Okay. And what's the pub culture like there by comparison to Ireland? The pub culture is fairly similar to over home. You know, yeah, everyone goes in for a couple of pints, goes in for some food, but, um, um, Obviously, the pubs are open now again over here, but it is with restrictions. It's within certain hours. Uh, distance you must maintain over here is 1.5 metres, I think. Back in Cork, it's 2 metres. But, um, yeah, you're you're not left there for many hours. You're just there for two hours or so. And um, you're obliged to drink outside, not inside, if it's very warm. Uh, wait wait a second. You're saying there's no inside pubs open, is there? That inside pubs is an option, but uh, you're kind of asked if you can sit outside and sit outside. All right, okay. But if it's lashing down with rain, you're indoors and having a pint then. Then you're indoors. Okay, yeah, but, you're, but you're seated. You're not up at a bar counter or sitting on a stool. You're not walking around. You're seated and served at your table. You're seated and served, yeah. It's correct, me. And it's, 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 it's fine and dandy. Everybody's getting on with it. Not a bother. Fine and dandy, masks are mandatory on public uh, transport, not mandatory in shops and uh, closed uh, buildings, except you're walking in a factory or something or so. And uh, masks are mandatory in public transport since June, and everyone adheres to their rule. If you don't, you get a 90 euro on the spot fine. And why aren't people wearing masks then when they go into retail shops and stuff like that? Um, maybe because they're not there for a long time. They're in and out. Um... In the past, I mean, up to three months ago, they were scrubbing down uh, the handles on shopping carts and trolleys. But now it's up to you to do that for yourself. So we're kind of moving away from the whole fear of what was going on four months ago, five months ago. And we're kind of becoming a bit more mature here with um, enforcing our own... um, a bit more mature with personal responsibility and cop on. And you're you're saying that's lacking here. That's lacking here, but it's a severe mistrust of the government on the Irish people who, by their social nature, like to have a point. If the government are saying, look, yeah, pubs are closed, then they're predicting that the Irish people are going to go make a mess of themselves. And I think that's very untrue. That's very, um, it's very wrong of a government to do that to its, uh, yeah, to the social nature of the Irish uh, people. But even if you, even if you part whether or not, it was about somebody having a pint or a gin and tonic or a glass yeah. of wine in the bar. It's about the businesses, isn't it? Three and a half thousand businesses, the only ones yeah, that still cool. can't open. How are government going to actually pay back and compensate these people over the next four months? The country will be on its knees. We have to have some period of economic uh, recovery. But you see, they're saying that the priority now is, forgive me for cutting across, they're saying that the priority now is to get schools, primary and secondary schools, open again. That's fantastic. In principle, yeah, schools, they must open. I mean, like, we have a very large uh, student population, but let's say in October, we have a second spike, or what, yeah, and, like, for want of a better word, schools are, schools then will be closed down again. Who's to blame for the spike? They can't blame the pubs, can't blame the restaurants. But right now it would seem that the pariah is the pub against schools getting to reopen. That's what they're saying, you know, that That's the pubs are the enemy of the schools. Yeah, but it's not just pubs. It's also this, um, in parallel, they printed yesterday the new uh, green list. You mentioned it in 
Um, yeah, in your show um, this morning, uh, why isn't why isn't there, why isn't Holland on the list of the green in the countries? Oh, and Holland is well ahead of Ireland with respect to this uh, virus. Um, uh, that under I don't know, man. I don't know. I just know the ones that are on it and the ones that have been taken off it. And there was five yeah, taken off it yesterday. True, and just think of what we're after coming through as a you know as a people. All of these uh, restrictions, first month, fantastic. You know, like the government, they're playing a blinder, shut down the country. Now it's time to recover. We can't recover if businesses and uh, travel is still closed down. We have to start the economic uh, recovery, in my opinion. Okay, as always, thanks for your contribution. Stay safe. Thanks, Pat Cronin in Holland, regular listener to the program. Text 0868 104 106. How am I doing? Okay, with just this call, and we'll come back to calls, texts, and comments after 10. Kenneth, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so you're, you're aware of it. Uh, we all know where we're at at this stage. What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? You come up with some sort of a novel idea that maybe might work. Well, what is it? Well, if you're a local bear. At the end of the day, there's local takeaways, local restaurants, and I can't understand why they just don't put menus on the table from the local restaurants, the local takeaways. Ordering is the same thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be fine for city, maybe, or suburban pubs, though, but what would you do with rural pubs that wouldn't have to go in? But there's obviously just caps in restaurants and hotels that surely you can make a deal with with the hotel and the restaurant for a reduced menu, do you know what I mean? Nine euro famous nine euro menu like yeah I think you can get delivered whoever delivers it to the pub you're still eating at the bar no I mean I, I don't want to be knocking holes in it because it, it isn't you know I welcome your contribution but say to a small rural pub where somebody would only go in in the morning for two pints or maybe a couple of pints on the way home they're hardly gonna they're hardly gonna cough up nine euro when all they wanted was two pints on the way home you know okay, yeah but that's the new normal wouldn't it at the end of the day that's the entry, it's the entry fee, so if you it's like. the entry fee, like, you know what I mean? I mean, if most people, I'm not thinking myself, to be fair, wouldn't bother me from end of the week, it's open or closed, to be fair. But I'm just saying that, that if it's if it's food, if it's food, where they can't open, if they don't sell food, if they don't have the kitchen to make to prepare food, if you supply, if it's a win-win for the, the restaurant, they're getting customers, and it's the win-win for the bathers, they, they, they can remain open. But some, some pubs are doing that already, aren't they? They have a deal yeah, with the chipper. Up, and there, up, up in Chotsville, there's, well, there's one in Fairway. Uh, there's a, a takeaway van outside the door. And how does that work? There's a takeaway outside I, the door. I, again, I don't know. I don't know exactly the denotes of it because, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a drinker. So, I, I, again, I wouldn't be going to the place. But it only appeared since this. Um, they were taken open with the nine euro me like, Do you know what I mean? And I know that restaurant, that bar don't have a kitchen like no here. Does that that bar have a kitchen like? So there's a bar on the north side with the takeaway chipper outside the door. Oh, yeah. And how? But you don't know how it works. Like, does the punter, does no the punter go out and get fish and chips and bring it into the pub or what? Again, again, Neil, I don't know how Dean's knows how it works, but it, this takeaway thing only turned up since bars can reopen serving food. Okay, well, I'd like to, I'd like to you know just I mean? stay stay on hold there because I'd like to know yeah, the the establishment yeah. and maybe we get a chat with them because it sounds like a novel idea. It might well be uh, possible for others to do likewise if they choose. So let's find who, uh, give, I'm going to give um, Kenneth back to you there just to find out that pub. Perhaps somebody else will know exactly how it works. Text 0868104106. Back in a minute. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Might be a good time for a bit of fishing. 
but hold on, I'm not so sure uh, whether or not it'll be possible on the banks of the Lee, certainly from what we were talking about yesterday with people fishing for trout or the issues regarding salmon. Big response to that from yesterday's programme. A lot of texts on it, and I'll get them to wear uh, very soon. But I want to stay on my phone line for now. Carmel, good morning. Thank you for holding. Appreciate it. Yes, it's on, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Is it schools you wanted to pick up on, was it? I was picking up on schools and basically, like, the schools reopening um, and the pubs not allowed to open. And, and my take on this need would be the reason why the pubs are not allowed to open is I know the kids have lost a lot of edu- education time frame, but, like, there is parents that need to get back to work and this is about the economy for the government again. I've had this issue with you a couple of weeks back before you went on holiday. Now, the reason they go back to school, they will, and it's a spike they shut the schools again. This is why the reason the pubs are not allowed open that don't starve food. To get children back to school, the parents that need to get back into the workforce so the economy gets up and running. We will have no economy need if the flights are still allowed coming to Dublin Airport on a daily basis from Florida, Texas. But they're not Miami. like they're not. There aren't Americans in Ireland. Like that's there might be one There's or two, a few. In. Yeah, I know. But like, forgive me for I hate prattling on about myself, but I travelled the whole West Coast. I was in all sorts of towns and villages and cities and what have you. And I'm not no American accent. I looked. I looked at the guest registration right. books. So you can mm-hmm. look at. I happen to be in Ashford, right? Just. Ashford Castle as an example and I looked at their you know the guest comment book you see in hotels right. where you can go back years do you ever do that yeah. I, I kind of snoop through those I you, don't you, snoop you, around you, only right, but you know the books I'm talking about you see the person's <laughs> name do. where they're you from yeah, yeah, and they have yeah. a comment about they have a comment about their stay in the hotel yeah, and yeah. I looked I looked at this time last year July 2019 and I looked at all of the names and where they were from there were 90% of them were American right 90% mm-hmm. of them this year July 2020, no Americans signed the register whatsoever, and it was all Irish people. Irish, 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 Irish. Either well, Northern Irish down in the south or Southern Irish up in the north. Uh, I have a son that's living in Curry. He went back last week and he drove through Trillian and Calorg and where he's from, and it was all English red cards. They're, Northern, I- they're Northern Ireland cards. Yeah, yeah. They, they are. They're in a low down. There's no stopping at the border. Like I know they can come in, but I'm talking about the, the pubs. All these people that were ready to go and obviously had protocol in place and followed the guidelines and now they're told it could be the 31st of August. No, you have, no, don't get me wrong in this name. There's young, there's young, I know that party in Kilkino where there was thousands and... Heard about that, yeah. yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was listening to that and basically when you sit down and analyse all this name, you've seen in their 20s and 30s young kids, young, young generation, that work Monday to Friday before this pandemic ever came. And they're used to doing their Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday would be their social life. Now, this is going into the sixth month and it's obvious if this lockdown continues any longer where the public are concerned, obviously, in the nightclubs. I know there's a risk. I know the virus is still there. We had it under control. But unfortunately, you must look to the direct provisions now and the meat factories where these clusters are. Because in the direct provisions, there's hundreds, there's 10 or 12 in one room, there could be 8 in one room. Yeah, and I know that the clusters are in direct provision and meat plants. Yeah, Yeah, and you know, it's sad to see, we don't know where they're from, they're living in in, in unbelievable, drastic conditions, and they're then inside, they're leaving the direct provision, going into the meat factory, these are the clusters. 
No, but when you look at it, when you lock down a 20-year-old and 20-year-old, Neil, that's so used to having their social life. Now, we all done it at the start. I had this with, before with you. We full lockdown, all airports and everything. But they're going to break out, Neil. They're going to have to. It, this is where the house parties are going to come in. And they can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. So, but like, like, don't expect a 22-year-old to sit at home seven days of the week. They're going to say, look, we meet up with a few friends and I meet up with a few friends. But really, but they are. But, but a lot of them are going out, and, and some of them are having starters in one pub, a main course in another pub, and a dessert in a third. Yeah, these are twenty and thirty year olds that love their club and Neil. I'm talking about and their drinks with their friends. This is a generation that go club on the weekends. But when you look at it and sit down and analyse, our government have taken six weeks off. No. They're all to say, but they're around. They're around doing nothing. The spin is there. No, you spoke about masks on the news this morning. It was on the yesterday paper. Masks will be mandatory in all shopping centres and all shops. I can tell you here and now, I was in Blackpool office two weeks ago and I was requested by a security guard. He wouldn't allow me into the shopping centre until I put on my visor. I wear a visor, not a mask. And I said, I thought you could walk. No, no, no. I'm sorry, you're not allowed in the shopping centre until... You put on your mask. This is in the Blackpool Shopping Centre. Blackpool Shopping Centre. Okay. And it's also in my local shop in Gala in Farnley. No, you please, uh, masks must be worn while in the shop. Well, I was in a, I was in a fairly big supermarket yesterday, and I'd say about maybe sixty percent of people had masks on, forty percent didn't. Six, you know, sixty forty. But I had to take my hat off to Blackpool Shopping Centre. Everyone. They pulled everyone and done stores itself. I'd give them another boost. All their trolleys are being personally sanitised by... They have staff employed to sanitise the handles of the trolley before they give them to the customers. Also, two standing in the entrance to the, the actual uh, supermarkets, sanitising the baskets as well for people before they take them. No, you must listen... They're going on six weeks holidays. I've never, I've looked around the world and I've yet to see a government that would take six weeks off for the pandemic. We don't know whether the schools are going back. We don't know whether the pubs can open. And the but should they have been, a lot, of them, a lot of them haven't been in the doll since March. They, they were in there three weeks. They were in there for three weeks. Nick, come on, I've listened to the news there. News yeah, but did you ever look at the amount of people that are, do you ever see the amount of people that are actually physically inside the doll chamber? Yeah, and a question out to you, Neil, this, this, this conference centre, I'd like to know who actually owns that. Is it 25,000 or 50,000 that's been paid for them to sit there? Well, the centre? Which conference centre are you talking about? Where, where, where they have their, their doll meeting. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know who owns that because if you look at the doll, there are about six people inside there. So there's no excuse for them not to be in the doll. Anyway, you, and I know why they're paying can I just get back? Can I just get back and please explain to me the connection between pubs and schools? Right. My take on it is the pubs will remain closed, okay? This is my take on it. The pubs are not allowed open. The reason being is. They're trying to get the children back to school first. Which I can't but understand. how does keeping pubs closed affect schools? Right. So I tell you, because they want to open the schools first, because there's a lot of parents that are not able to go back to work until their children go back to school. Yeah, but what, what's the damage done by pubs opening and primary schools and secondary schools opening in September? If a spike comes in, you see they could blame the pubs then for the spike instead of blaming the school. So it's a roundabout. It's, a, it's like a carousel. But you want, but, but you're like, say, okay, prime, small little children really can't affect people, right? 
with COVID-19. Well, yeah, well, but, that's what they told us. Uh, well, we, we're supposed to believe that, like small little, the very, well, very small. Well, I know, small. because I got the news from CNN that in, in Florida, was it? Uh, the 23% of the cases that were admitted to hospital were children under 12. So we are not being told the truth. We are not being told but the how, truth. How, how, how is keeping a pub closed um, any better or worse than a secondary school where you have a 16 or 17-year-old mixing with p- potentially hundreds of other 16 or 17-year-olds? Which are primary schools. The children won't so the children won't social distance. They're too young for it, Neil. No, but they may not, they they may not be able to pass it on. But certainly, a teenager in a secondary school would pass it on. Yeah, but can you imagine a, a teenager in in secondary school having a mask on for how many hours are they in school? That's what I'm going. That's not. Going I to hate happen. I hate the damn things. I can't even breathe with yeah, them. On. I can I have a body. Yeah, nor nor can I understand people who cannot. Maybe advisory. I can't understand yeah, people who just say to breathe. me. That, but if you go to them to their New Zealand, I think she's a New Zealand pre- New Zealand candidate. She's a prime minister. Yeah, New Zealand. And look, yeah, and she's given out there a couple of days ago that all CEOs, all politi- all their TD, or whatever they call them, MPs, politicians, are all taking a twenty percent pay right pay cut for six months. Well, I am sick. I've been on this radio now too. I know half a dozen since the pandemic, Neil, and it's six months. And it's worse and worse is getting. When I was away, did they give super? Did they give super junior ministers sixteen grand wage increase? Didn't they? Nain, I tell you no, boy. I actually the fight is going over me for this country. I love my country, and to see what's happening is just shambolic. They're self-elected first day, and now it's sixteen thousand pay rise for each. But you see. The Green Party was bought off first day anyway. You know that and I know that. I know you can't say that on air because you have a certain legislation for what you can and can't say on the radio. But I can say it. This my local radio and I'm in touch with my opinion. Mr. Lessus, as I called him. You remember that? <laughs> I do. All right, go on. They sold themselves and Fianna Fáil are at the lowest pole ever in their history. And you watch the space. Fianna Gael will bring them down. We'll have another election. But Fianna Gael are under a great illusion. They think that they'll be voted for again. It'll never happen. Never happen because the people have had enough. And I am for protest on the street. All right. We will have to do it. Okay. Because I'll tell you what, six weeks holidays with full pay. People are dying on the street. They haven't a clue what they're doing. If they close the country day one, all the schools will be open. The pubs will be open. But Mikey Healy Ray made a good comment in the door. And you were probably on holidays. Um, my pictures I sent on to Red FM there that he was with my sister's in Kilorg and in the mobile home and he repeated his speech. You can have a pint of Guinness in one hand and you can have a toast of cheese. No, I did. Yeah, 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 that's right. I and did. he said, what's the difference between that pub and an ordinary pub? All right, I'm going, no keep, I'm going to keep moving. Appreciate it. Good opportunity to get your points of view across. Thank you for it. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Thank you, Carmel. Uh, you have ministers and you have junior ministers and now... We need super junior ministers. I got to laugh when I hear about that kind of carry on. Uh, Seamus, good morning. Morning, Niall. Seamus Crowley has the Gold Post Bar. Where's that? In Shanagary. In Shanagary. And what kind of a system have you in operation there? We have the five guys inside uh, doing the food and they bring it in and we serve drink with it and they're two hours or less and they're gone. The fry guys, who are they? They're, um, they're two chefs, two well-trained chefs and they have they off their own business there now uh, two or three months ago and they're going very well. Okay. So they rock up in a mobile van, is it? That's right. Every day? No. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, evenings. And what happens with regards to your customers? Do they go out and buy something? Explain that. Well, they buy it before they come in and they pay for it and then they come in and they get drinks 
and the, the pool drying them. And is it brought in, wrapped up in paper, or is it on a... Uh, 100%, yeah. So that could be a burger and chips, fish and chips, uh, chicken, yeah. Maryland, a, a curry, or what would it be? Yeah, whatever they want, uh, they give it them. Nine euro? No, it might be 12 euros just the way, all the what they get like. And how long is that going? Uh, last Thursday evening. Oh, you just started it? Just started it, yeah. Okay, and are you happy with it? What happens is, is have the walk here, but look, we're opening here, and uh, I know come out the pubs are not because the pubs have gone slack in here, and that's the knowledge we all have to open by right. And what kind of size pub do you have, the goalpost bar? I could, um, inside no, so I could see the 80 people. Um, and is that reduced now, or is that what you can use now? Was it higher? No, yeah. Was it higher before COVID? What be higher was a look, tables are spaced out, stuff like that, you know? Okay, okay. Okay, so it seems to be working fine, and then people have their fish and chips or what have you, and they have a few pints. And how long can they stay? Uh, less than two hours. They're gone. Some are very good. Some are way fell in. Some are way grand. I don't know. Number five percent of this, my brother had but that's not taken. Like. Yeah, but you normally like that comes with the territory, I suppose. You know, that's what publicans yeah. are are there to make sure that everything is ship shape and people follow the rules. But so, are you busy? Too busy, yeah. Too busy, thank God, yeah. And how long did they stay then? Until what time of an evening? Nine o'clock. And do you think that other pubs? I know that there's a pub on the north side. Apparently, has a has a mobile chipper outside. Do you think more should do it? I don't know what the lot like. You know, it can be set up for and, and um, the lot of extra work, the extra staff. You know, and the whole lot, the lot of extra more more expensive. Like you know. But you're still it's washing its face, though. The pub is it. Sorry? Is, is the pub making a few bob like? It's not out, you're not we rolling. You won't know at the end of the month what they'll make. <laughs> you won't know until the end of the month until you add it all up. <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. All right. Thanks for taking the call, Seamus. Okay, then. Thanks very much. Well Thank done. You. Fair play. Danish Shanagari, the goalpost bar with the fry guys outside at the weekends. Um, Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. How are things going in the UK? Because the pubs, of course, opened. I'll talk with Mark Winton in a few minutes' time. But you know, with regards to just on on food and things like that, I'll come back to your calls in a few minutes' time. But just with regards to the carry on over the last four or five months, there's information now and research out, and it's in the UK Times this morning that I saw it, and I wonder. Would it be similar here? Because we have a lot of similar patterns when it comes to entertainment and, and you know what we do and you know television and stuff that we watch. But apparently, they're saying that the typical British person now spends six and a half hours a day watching TVs, videos, and downloads. On average, they spend six hours and twenty-five minutes a day viewing content on their screens. And this was stats coming from April and May. So we were right in the middle of lockdown. You can kind of understand why it would go so high with people having an awful lot more time uh, on their on their hands. Particularly the silver streamers, who are the older gen, are watching an awful lot more. Particularly 55 to 64-year-olds who, during lockdown, had more time on their hands and weren't working and had to stay indoors. So it's very interesting, that kind of statistic. And there are more things that you can see. There are more things that you can see online and on videos now than you ever could before. And while I, while I was reading stuff there the back end of last week, I noticed that Gordon Ramsay was um, doing what Gordon Ramsay does best, berating people and giving out and shouting and bawling. And apparently there's an American mother now who's doing these different videos uh, teaching Americans how to do things British, you know, how to cook things and how to make things. And 
I was reading an article of this woman, Michelle, was teaching people how to make fish and chips um, in the microwave, right? <laughs> Think about that, like, I mean, how you would get a fish or chips crispy in a microwave is beyond me. But apparently, Gordon Ramsay nearly had a stroke. Are you, are you, are you, are you following this video? I am, yeah. yeah. And all this carry on. But on top of that then, she came out then recently and decided that she would teach people in America how to make the perfect cup of British tea, isn't it? Um, so let's, let's just, let's just have a listen first. This is, what, what audio, is your mic open there? It doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to be working. Oh, hang on a second. God, let me get started here. You're good. Okay. Okay. You're good to go. So the first audio I have here is Gordon Ramsay and the fish and chips, is it? It's him reacting to it, yes. Okay. Let's have a listen to this one first. Gordon Ramsay and fish and chips. This is a reaction to Mrs. Woman's microwave stuff. Hey guys. So today I'm going to show you how to make British fish. Go to your local watering hole. Find your fish. Find your what? All right. You want to clean your fish? Clean it? Okay, you want to clean your fish? Clean it? Okay, you want to cut his head off? What? For your flour in it? Oh, God. Great, you're in it. Thank you. No. And some sugar? No. No. And some root beer? This is how it should look. Pure. Man, it should be thick. Yeah, diaper thick. Okay, so you want to cover your fish. Oh, my God, no flour. Stop it. Right, so soft cover your plate. Because your fish are to your plate. There's nothing British about that. In the microwave. Are you kidding me? What? Oh, you lost the plot. And that is how you make British fish and chips. You've never been to Britain. No, it's not. <laughs> In a microwave. <laughs> I dread to think what that tastes like. Okay, I'll come back, because you also have other audio, which I don't have it right now at this moment. Same woman teaching people how to make British tea. In a microwave. Yeah, that's Oh, it. God. That was, yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome back to that. Listen, thanks for coming in because I know that you did an offer. The pubs in the UK are open. They are. I mean, it's been over a month now. Or, for a month. Or thereabouts, yes. Okay. In spite of their huge numbers and um, very questionable handling of the coronavirus back yeah. in the early days with Boris Johnson, how's that been going for the UK? Well, I... I Obviously, a lot of people have been out, and that's undeniable, because we've seen the pictures on the very first night out where the streets were crowded, especially in Soho. The following Saturday night in Leeds, it was estimated that double the amount of people were out that were out the first weekend, so a lot of people are out. Now, maybe I have um, quite responsible friends, but a lot of people I know just aren't putting themselves in that situation, so they tend to be going there Saturday lunchtime, Saturday afternoon, maybe, you know... For for a, a small Sunday session for an hour or whatever. Um, and, and they can go into the pub... Any time they want, any bar, and have a drink. That's it. They can they can walk in. They can have a drink. They don't have to order food, and they can stay in there for as long as they like. There's there's, there's not the restrictions on time or food. Now like you can't do that in Northern Ireland, right? They they're kind of rogue on that one. They are, yeah, they're and, the I, same I, as us. That's it. Yeah. The, 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 again, some of these some of the restrictions. Obviously, most of my friends are are in the in England in particular. Okay. And okay. there are differences between Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. Um, so it might not be applicable. But there have them. been areas gone back into lockdown and restrictions and all sorts of things because of spikes. That's it. Yes. Where? Um, uh, so Leicester had a uh, was the first to go into lockdown, and then last week we had well, it's being termed a lockdown, but I, I don't know if that's entirely accurate. There were more restrictions being put in place for Greater Manchester, the Greater Manchester area, parts of North Yorkshire also had. And are and they saying that it's pub related? Well, I've not seen it being said pub related, and the restrictions tend to be that you're you're restricted from entering other people's homes, so you can't have guests. In your, in, okay. your, in your home, that okay. tends to be what the restriction, the, the new restrictions that they are, that they are bringing in. But in um, the area where there are restrictions, the pubs are open. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Apart from Leicester, Leicester had a complete lockdown because that, that happened before obviously the pubs were open. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what are your mates telling you then about the pubs? Say, for instance, you're a Londoner. What's it like? Um, so, again, everyone kind of had the same opinion, which was it's very well organised. Um, there's there's a lot of differences that, um, that that are quite easy to get used to. For example, you don't have little you know, olives or peanuts or foods on a bar, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. Um, they, they take your name and your number, much like they do here as you, as you walk in. Um, uh, and, and they think temperature checks are very, very common. One thing that, that my friend Sam, who works very in, in Leicester Square, he works very central. He said that it's in central London, the pubs are a lot quieter than they are in the more, um, in the, than in the suburbs, mainly because businesses just aren't back at work. So mm. the pubs are very quiet in central London. Mm. But when you go out to, like, I, I lived in East London, uh, area called Leytonstone, the pubs will tend to be busier there because where people are, yeah. and especially yeah. where people are working yeah. from home. Um, uh, they tend to be, you know, local drinkers, um, city pubs tend to be busier. It's all table service, um, social distance measures. So you're at your table and you, you wear a mask then to go to the, to go to the toilet. Um, are you limited time-wise? Uh, you're not limited at all in terms of, of, of time. The length of time you stay? No, no, nothing like that. no, that's it. Um, uh, they're quite, um, one of my friends, Sam, he was at a pub in Hackney on, on Saturday and they were quite strict letting people in. Um, and once you were in, you weren't allowed to leave your table except to go to the toilet. Did you put your hand up to say, well, Cadigum de Mark? I haven't, I haven't heard of them having to, like in the, like in the school canteen, having to put your hand up, but I think. You'd just ask somebody, can you go, <laughs> sorry, can I go to the toilet? Would be like being back at school, wouldn't it? <laughs> Because they got to limit the amount of people who can go to the door anyway. Although one thing I thought was interesting with the table service, he found that because there was table service and they were very attentive, you'd end up drinking a lot more than you usually would because you'd be halfway through your, your, your pint of Guinness or whatever and they'd be like, another one? And you'd say, yes, yeah, yeah, straight away. And so it's just like a rolling conveyor about drinks coming to the table. Whereas before, you'd obviously all finish, who's round it is up to oh, the bar, someone stand at the bar, get the drinks in. Whereas this was just like a conveyor belt. Okay, so good observations. Your friend Anna, who used to work in television but yes. doesn't now, is it? She, well, yeah, well, fingers crossed she will do in the near future, but obviously that was one industry in particular in, in London that was just decimated by, um, because a lot of freelancers, so. All laid just, off. It all laid off over, over the, uh, over the lockdown period. Um, so she is now working in a, 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 a ch- for a chain in the UK in Greenwich. A pub chain pub. Yeah, Green King's the name of the chain. Um, and she says, she only just started the job, but she says that working there, that social distancing behind the bar is literally Impossible, yeah. because you imagine how tight it is behind behind bar space. I mean, you you can't do a job without social distancing. Nothing would get done. So she yeah, but they're like Darth Vader with all the gear, though, aren't I, they? Exactly. She'd have the face mask on and the the not the face mask, sorry, the visor. Yeah, um, and that's very common. The, the the visors and the face masks and everything. Um, but she said it was a real eye opener just being on that side of the bar um, during these times because. Yeah, you wouldn't be distanced as perhaps you would like to be, but she's she's conscious there. I was a, I was on a. Uh, um, <clears throat> walking tour of Derry, the, the walls of Derry at the weekend, the guy, an incredible guy, really brilliant at his job, he had the visor on. Now, he was talking for a good hour, hour and a half, but I was I was watching him, clearly, because I was interested in what he was to say, but by the end of the walking tour, after an hour and a half, I looked at his visor, and the inside of his visor was covered in spit. Yeah. Um, it was very fogged up, and I, I remember thinking to myself, Oh my God, I can now see how effective these visors are. When I saw 
the inside of his visor after an hour, an hour and a half of talking in close proximity to all of us. It's just how much is stopped from... Absolutely. How, yeah. how much is coming out of our mouths unbeknown to ourselves in normal conversation alone. That's it, yeah. And There's it a really interesting video online, actually, of a guy who's strapped a... who put a mask on an, on an aerosol can and he's, he's holding it in front of a naked flame to show just the, that none of the aerosols getting through in order to make the flame flame up. It's okay, and then, and then Claire... Another friend of yours who's only been in the pub from midday to 2pm. What was her story? Yes, yeah, so she, she hasn't been out uh, at night time. She had no plans to be out uh, at night time again. She just doesn't feel comfortable. Doesn't feel comfortable being into the city and being, and, and, um, and a lot of people are the same. You, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to so, have So, but the any, point any I mean, she's making it is that even if they were open, it doesn't mean there'd be a stampede. No. Um, and, and and when it comes to the central London pubs, and and my friend Sam made this point, he 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 said he doesn't know what the demand is because there isn't the to to give it the demand. So it's likely that ha if everyone was back here at work in central London, that the pubs would still be as quiet as they are now because maybe people would be avoiding them. It's it tends to be from what I've seen, it tends to be rural. the Saturday night and the rural that gotcha. tends to be the, the the major issue. And pub quizzes are back, which I find interesting because um, they. they um, They've started up pub quizzes, so it is quite much easier to do because everybody's sitting down. Exactly, it's perfect. It's a perfect pub activity to do you know, of an evening because no one needs to leave their table. If you get up, you're, you're accused of cheating, so it's fine. <laughs> There's an upside to it then. <laughs> yeah. Surrender your mobile phone when you go into the pub with the pub quiz. I appreciate that. They're the pubs in London and around the UK. Thank you, Mark. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Careful what you wish for. One of the problems in the UK now is that they're thinking about uh, taking back smoking areas outside the pubs, uh, banning smoking in the smoking areas outside to give them over to El Fresco and outdoor dining. So they're studying that at the moment. My God, imagine if they did that here. Take away the smoking areas, give them over to outside dining in pubs. I suppose anything is possible. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 Morning, Neil. I work in a rural post office in Lep in West Cork. Lep in beautiful West Cork. And I have had German, English, Welsh, American, Canadian, Mexican, French and Dutch customers since the Easter time. Most people did not see that because they were at home. It was very upsetting, but at this stage I'm getting used to it. I'm getting fed with people saying that they are not here. Well, I just did say that a while ago, so you must be getting fed up with me. All right, well, I'm only giving you my own example, my own observations as I travelled around. Um, you're saying that in West Cork, you have coming into the post office all of the above. Okay, thank you for that. All right, this is the, I'll come back to your calls in a minute, but I played you the Gordon Ramsay bit of, of Michelle teaching Americans how to make fish and chips in the microwave. This is her then uh, teaching Americans how to make the perfect cup of British tea. Hey guys, so I got a lot of questions after my last video and everyone wanted to see me make hot tea or British tea. So today we are going to make tea. So fill our mug with water, put it in the microwave, set it for a minute, pour the milk in, drop your tea bag in, add the sugar, give it a little stir, and that's how you make hot tea. You put it in the microwave. So she puts in the water. She puts in the tea. She puts in the sugar. She puts in the milk, having boiled it all in the microwave. I mean, 
she'd infuriate you. What's she going to come up with next, I wonder? Jury out, actually, isn't it, on the perfect cup of tea as to how you should or shouldn't make your tea. Clearly not in a microwave. But you have these new taps now. Um, I'm sure they're, they're fine and they've kind of like an anti-scald device on them where the tap pours boiling water. Have you seen that? Kids can't get at it, apparently, because there's a bit of a, like, a gadget to it. Um, wonder what tea would taste like from one of those as opposed to a traditional kettle. And then they say that some say that the water should be boiled. Others say that the water should be just before it boils. And then, of course, the jury's out as to whether or not you squeeze the tea bag when it's in the mug or the cup and when you add the milk. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different ways of making the perfect cup of tea, but I wouldn't have thought in a microwave. They say hot tea in America. Because most of the time, unless you specify hot tea in America, you get cold tea, believe it or not. Uh, anyway, anybody got any other crazy, wacky ways of preparing things or things that you like to do that are outside the norm? I'll give one of our uh, Euro, uh, 50 euro bar and bistro vouchers uh, to the best one of those. What do you different do differently to the rest of it when it comes to preparing dishes or food or drinks? Text 0868104106 to the best one or two. 50 euro bar and bistro vouchers for the Oriel House Hotel in Balancholic, where they will boil the water and serve you proper fish ships, I can tell you. So back to the phone lines we go upon this Wednesday morning. Uh, Elaine is standing by. Get to her in a few minutes' time. Dee, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I have the, the British fish chips and the tea made. <laughs> could you, I mean, could you, I'm sorry. My apologies. It's just busy. And sometimes I prattle on. <laughs> Forgive me for that. Anyway, your son's... <laughs> saucy. Your son's just back from Dublin, is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He went up on the train, very civilised, you know, um, uh, social distancing, mask on. It was very, he said it was a lovely journey up. Got the bus into town, that was fine, but then he, he started to go on the Lewis, and he said it was frightening. He said, in like sardines, on, on the Lewis, like, what's the story? Is there a different rules for different different things? The story is that, that Lewis is the Wild West of transport. I've been on it yeah. a number of times, and you are jammed in like sardines. Yeah, but like you know, like should should it be closed down? You know, in 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 this whole situation, in, in you know, in this pandemic, like we can't even open up the pubs, and the Lewis is there. You know, people are more than fifteen minutes on the Lewis. And are they, you know did he say going? they were all jammed up against each other? And were they or weren't they wearing masks? They were all wearing masks. Oh yes, all because that's masks. that's the law, you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's still touching yeah. the rails. They're touching. He's still up close Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's 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 scandalous. Oh, why are they getting away with it? So there's no distancing there, on the Lewis like there are on buses. No. And was it, there was distancing and and some seats not being used on the train? Was there? Yes. Yes. They were all locked up. Isn't it amazing? And, and then, like, yeah, I like, there's something wrong there, Neil. There's something wrong there, you know. Um, and, and I know people have to get to work um, in Dublin and they rely on the Lewis and, and tourists rely on the Lewis as well. But And I know it's probably impossible to regulate it. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's wrong. It's wrong for this to be happening. And then somebody who perhaps might pick it up on the Lewis brings it back to Cork. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully he has. Well, hopefully he is because he's living in the house with you now after all of that. Uh, yeah. But there's that risk, isn't there? Yes, huge risk, huge risk. And, you know, what What other way can you get around? Okay, wait, maybe wait for a bus. And then the buses are full because they, they have their social distancing on the buses. And, you know, you'll never get from 80. 
And I wonder, is anybody talking about the Lewis in Dublin that everybody's jammed yeah, into it I, while they're I talking about... get over. It'd be interesting to see if there's any of anybody else of your listeners have, have experienced it. But All right. I, this is the first time I've heard. Okay, thanks for that. And thank you for holding. Right. I do appreciate your patience. Thank you. <laughs> there was some criticism came in, actually, of Haskup today regarding the ferry out to Spike. And I was sent a video of people boarding the ferry out to Spike. I got an email or two as well from people who actually went out uh, to Spike Island on the ferry and were very concerned regarding the amount of people on that ferry. So more on that because I did get a response uh, from Spike Island regarding the amount of people on that ferry and I will play you the audio of uh, the, the video clip that was sent to me that just had a stream of people boarding it uh, and that's the ferry. So more more on that. But let, let's stay with, um, with pubs and how they're feeling. Now, if you could just mark whether or not it's about a pint or not because it's not just about everybody being able to go for a pint. We are talking about businesses. We're talking about livelihoods. Many of them family run, three and a half thousand of them employing upwards of maybe 40 or 50,000 people, many of them in rural areas. Not so rural, though, is Noel Murphy's Bar in Balafihan. Elaine joins me from there. Elaine, uh, no, not on six guys. My apologies. Um, might have to come back and check out another phone line and we'll come back to it then. But while you're doing that, let me just deal with some of the texts that I had on yesterday's conversation regarding the Lee. Do you remember that? There was a, a bit of uh, argy-bargy um, with regards to the bailiffs um, and the lads who were fishing there. They said that uh, members of the fisheries were coming along and asking them questions and harassing them, claiming their rods were been taken off them and all their fishing is brown trout with four pound breaking strain. Got a big response to that, a response from the fisheries as well, who deny and say that none of that is true. Uh, there was no rods taken, no rods broken, and they wouldn't comment any further than that, apart from the fact to say that it could become um, a guard issue, so they can't say any more than that. I'm fishing uh, the anglers for 20 years. That's out by the anglers' rest, I suppose you're referring to. Uh, and I never met a bailiff, and I was never thrown off. I'm a responsible and respectable angler. I've met the bailiffs up the dam. I've met them at the weir. And club members will leave you alone if you don't act the maggot or you don't take salmon. I was never a member of any of the clubs, but I was never harassed. Um, the issue is maybe that the bailiffs think that the lads who are up there and their pastime is fishing are actually fishing salmon, but you wouldn't be able to prove that until they'd actually caught somebody fishing salmon. And the videos and the lads that I saw had caught nothing. The subject of the inland fisheries, uh, they specifically pick on certain people. I've had personal incidents with the fisheries myself, including abuse, and at one stage I was threatened that I would be pushed in. That's a very serious allegation to make. Um, the problem is fish have more rights than people. I've fished that river for 25 years with all the licenses you need. But let me tell you, the officers have terrified the anglers down the years. Rods have been taken and fines have been handed out. And just one fast, one, fish for salmon myself on the River Lee on a regular basis. Some of these lads are indeed fishing for trout and causing no harm. But there is a huge problem on the Lee with young lads poking salmon around the weir. I don't fish there anymore as two years ago my friend got a punch off a young fella at the weir when he confronted him about poking salmon from the river. He got a dig. So I'll come back again in a few minutes' time tomorrow with those texts. Uh, yeah, you see, I can't get at phone lines, so it moves from 6 to 5 to 2. Let's hope she's there now, the miracle of the immaculate apparition. Elaine, good morning. Hi, how are you? Elaine? Oh, my God, thank God, you're in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So so you're in Noel Murphy's Grand Balfihan. What do you make of the news? Because I saw you posting online this morning. Um, we're absolutely raging, Neil. 
um, it's soul destroying to be honest. We've got to keep kicking the can further down the road for the likes of the pubs to open. Um, at the minute, the way things are, you can go into a pub, you can have something to eat and you can stay for 105 minutes all social distance and all ran properly obviously which we're more than capable of doing without serving food because we haven't the capacity to serve food I just think it's very unfair on the like publicans that can't serve food because there's no difference really like Could you not have opened with parties across the road though just thinking out loud Neil we've done believe me we've hammered out more than one solution to this but we don't think it's fair all of our customers that are coming in they'd be an older kind of generation majority of them it's not about pints I know there's a lot of people saying oh keep the pubs closed and it's not important it is important it's our livelihoods for number one and second of all it's more of a social thing for 90% of the people that come out to us there's a lot of men living on their own and it's just for the company Neil and we don't think it's fair to be charging them to come in and have one or two pints because that's all they do and then after that you're saying 105 minutes is off get out the door which obviously we would do but we don't want to charge for food do you know uh, yeah, and just just looking at your at your post where you said you were devastated doesn't begin to feel how you feel right now. You were, were you expecting better news yesterday? Do you know what? Maybe kind of sense to come in this week with the numbers. We really did. Do you know we're not stupid. We're not going to run with blinkers on us. The numbers were rising. We know that. But like they said last night, they asked me, Hall Martin, would he not come in a localized thing? So if your cases weren't high in your county, why can't those type of pubs open up? which at the minute Cork has hardly no cases. But they're saying one a day in Cork for the last 30 days. But they're saying then that they can't lock down Dublin. But the numbers have gone through the roof in Kildare in factories, where the factories were just cleaned down and reopened and that set them back open for business. Do you know? And they keep saying that this virus is going to be here for a while and we need to learn to live with it. And at the same breath, they're keeping us closed and we can't go back and earn a living. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so it's about the community, it's about the elderly customers who would be regularly coming in by day, but by night would it not be a different scenario? Would it not be, like, say, for instance, a Friday a or a Saturday? 100% more of a day trade. And, like, there are long gatherings of under 50 people. We wouldn't have 50 people in that pub. I know, I know. Do you know what I mean? We don't. It's all locals. We know every single one of them. We know where they're coming from, where they're going to. They tell you. Do you know what I mean? We've a relationship with most of them, 99% of them. And how are they? Fe- how are they feeling? Your customers without that connection, without that routine in their life. Neil, they're distraught, and I'm not exaggerating. They really are gutted. Like they were hoping that we'd be open next week, and that's what they're all saying. So, would you not do a deal? Would you not do this? Would you not do that? But you have to cover yourself too, Neil. It has to. You have to be. You can't be running at a loss. It's as simple as that. Do, do, do you know do what you, I mean? And would you have the demand for people coming in eating to be to go after 105 minutes and paying for food? Do you know what I mean? Well, I have to tell you, an, o- an awful lot of establishment. We don't charge food. Uh, you don't, and you never did. Yeah, and, and you know? don't want to have to begin to do that. It's not your type of clientele. No. But a lot of those that are serving the food, the pubs that are gastro pubs, are the ones that now do food. They're not asking people to leave after 105. No, they're not, and I've seen it myself. Do you know? I have seen it myself, and so you'd be angered by it because you're saying we can't, we can't even get a fair crack at the whip. That's all we want. We could do the exact same thing, do you know what I mean? Just not serve the food. That would be the only difference. We have the sanitization station. We were all ready to go for the 20th of July originally. What about stock? Then, Had you brought in stock that you then have to send back? or We put in our orders, yeah. But at least yeah. they hadn't been delivered. I know it's small consolation. No, do they you, haven't. Do you, do you think that ultimately, because of all of this carry on, that we will see very few rural small pubs in Ireland in the future and we'll only see bigger kind of gastro pubs Neil 100% 100% I think what they want all over Ireland to be honest is they want like this rural Ireland and local pubs they want all done away with they prefer the bigger gastro pubs that you'll go in in your town and you'll have one or two and you'll go or cocktail bars and all that to make it more like mainland Europe 
That's exactly what's happening. Do you know what I heard weeks back? I think it was Liam Barry and Goldberg. Bo Goldbergs was telling me on the air that there are now supermarket chains who are waiting in the wings to snap up uh, pub licenses so yeah, that they, they can get them for nothing, Neil, because people can't afford to keep going like this. What small pub can sustain this? You still have your bills coming in at the end of the day, and you know they say, "Oh, you can play for grants, and you can do this, and you can do that." But you're still waiting. Like, you still have your insurance bills coming in. That has to be paid every week, regardless. They don't care whether they're open or not. You still have to have insurance on your building. We still have ESB bills coming in because you still have to pay to have your ESB in the building, whether it's being used or not. And obviously, you have to go up and run fuel systems and cooler systems. All these still have to be run. To make sure when you do get to open, everything is as it should be, do you know? Yeah. Do you feel as if you're being treated like a child or something? Do you know what it's like, Neil? It's where we made the scapegoat for all of this. And we caused none of it. We closed our doors voluntarily before the government order came out because we felt it was the safest thing to do. As I said, we have a lot of elderly customers and I, we must, my husband talked about it and we said we'd never forgive ourselves if something had happened in the pub or if someone had caught something, something happened. It wasn't that to us. With, with an elderly clientele, that was a very nice thing to do, yeah. yeah. But that's only for me because I, I say they have a relationship with 99% of them and we get on with them very, very well and I, we wouldn't be able to sleep if we thought anything had happened and it came from our premises. So we thought it was the safest thing because no one knew what was going on. We didn't know how to handle it. We weren't educated. Whereas now people know what to do. People have a lot more cop on. My seven-year-old would walk into a lift and she'd press it with her elbow. It's, it's every day now. Everyone knows what to do. I got, I, just, just, what, what, just what I'm... Just, yeah, I know. Just what I'm talking to you. I wanted to just make an observation that I saw yesterday. I'm sure your thoughts on it are welcome. But, you know, you talk about the pubs being closed and things like that and the livelihoods and the businesses and there's no compensation package being offered. So there's not. It's not as if you're making No, money. we're just... It's, we're just in trying about Neil. Okay. Yesterday, yesterday I saw a very interesting thing what I, which, uh, which I watched and this was a, a supermarket that had an off license as well. And I watched these, these young fellas. They could have been no more than maybe 15... 16 years old, perhaps 17. They certainly all look very much underage to me. But I saw them running across a car park. What probably happened was somebody went into the off-license and bought two big boxes of Bulmer cider. Are they they 24 bottles or cans or 12-something? The very big ones? Yeah, right. yeah. Maybe 28, so. Okay, <laughs> so there was two of these huge boxes that were brought out, brought down to the back of a car park. Um, half a dozen young fellas then, very much underage, who were shouting and roaring at each other ran into the car park, met whoever had bought the two huge big boxes for them, gave them to the young fellas, and they scarped, they could hardly carry them now, these guys were so small, ran across the car park, out of the supermarket, and off down the road into a field somewhere with the two big boxes of Bulmers. What, what, do, you, what do you think of that kind of carry-on? It's ridiculous, it's just they're underage, I mean, that, but that carry-on is going on with adults all over the place, not to mention they can't go start in parakeets, you know. I know, I know it's not connected really to say, no, for instance, underage, the, really. yeah, underage is underage, but this yeah. is going on in front of our noses and happening on a daily basis. House parties are happening on a daily basis, but small pubs then with elderly customers are told, no, sorry, you're a danger. I mean, that's what anger is off me. Really, it really does. It's so frustrating to see it. It's so frustrating to see people breaking the laws. And as I said, we're not getting a fair crack at the whip at all. We spent a lot of money when this is also so we said, you know what? every cloud and silver line and we're not going to get this time to do A, B and C to our pubs so we're going to do it now. So we went through the whole lot and did a lot of work in the couple of weeks that we thought we'd be closed for. But what if you and don't get open this year? Like I what? don't know Neil, I don't know because then last night for me Hall Martin went and said that they said oh do you think the pubs will be open by next or before next year? He said oh I don't know we hope not but we don't know. Like I do understand no one, we, under, no one knows 100% what way this virus is going to go but my point is at the start, it should have been all pubs or no pubs. 
and everyone should have been on a level playing field when they opened up then. It should have been the same rules, no food if you don't want food. You could have still put a timeline on it. I mean, there were thousands of ways they could have worked us out rather than a blanket closure on us. Do you know of people who are going into pubs just to have a dessert? Like, that's the kind of nonsense you have to put up with. Need to pubs over parking, they're not meant to be open to on people going in there and they're drinking. Do you know that's what I mean? There's people doing that too. Yeah. We've never done anything like that, obviously, and we've been closed for day one, and all we've been in there to do is to do the work and get it ready for when we did get to open, but it hasn't happened, and I, I can't see it happening. Even in three weeks, they're talking about three weeks. They keep telling us three weeks, it's like just to put us on the long finger and shut us up for three weeks. And then the three weeks come again, and then there's something else. It's not fair, like. All right, okay. I know, it's, it's very sad and unfortunate for you, Elaine, but thanks for stopping by, and thanks for taking the call. No problem, Neil. Thanks for the meeting. That's Elaine at Noel Murphy's Bar in Bellafihan. Let's stay with calls for now and hopefully should be on six. Uh, Helena, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You've got the whale's tail in Clonakilty. Um, okay, so you were, you were listening yesterday. What, what did you pick up on? A lady that uh, rang you yesterday, I mean, just before you finished the end of your show, and, and I think she was quite quite annoyed about you know, restaurants and the, the hygiene level. I know you brought up the, 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 the point where... Uh, yeah, dirty tables and cleaning and, 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 and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of thing. And I just, you know, when I was listening to it, I, I suppose I got very annoyed because there's a huge, there's a, there's a very strict protocol for what we have to do. We are cleaning constantly, constantly. The staff are cleaning. And I think sometimes when people, you know, come up with statements like that, they don't realise the actual hard work and, and the stress and the amount of anxiety that the, that people who have a restaurant now and have their business open are also under to comply with COVID protocols and restrictions and guidelines as well. And, you know, it's very easy for someone to look at a situation and go, oh, that's dirty, or to make a statement like that. But, you know, the real people behind but it's what, but it's what, what you saying, But it's you know? what you saw. She saw, what she saw, Neil, was she saw the tables being sprayed, she wasn't sure what was in the bottle, so I'm sure it was a chemical because we're all you chemicals these days to spray the tables. She saw the um, she saw that the tables are being correctly distanced apart. There was only six people in the restaurant when she was in there. You know, there was nothing really from her conversation with you yesterday morning to to indicate that the restaurant hasn't been manned or maintained correctly. But yes, somebody got on the on the radio and said, "Yeah, the restaurants are dirty. They're not doing what they're supposed to do," and that's not true. Yeah, well, okay. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it, but she spoke about the chairs, though. That's one thing she did mention. Yeah, but the chairs, you know, she her, she didn't see the chairs being sprayed down, but that doesn't mean that they weren't sprayed down. That doesn't mean that, you know, they, they aren't every time, because they are every time. And we've even gone so far to put little bottles of hand sanitizer on the table for our clients, you know? Like, it's very, very serious. We take it very, seri- very seriously with everyone coming in, the cleanliness, the, the, the extra, you know, effort and responsibility this places and restaurant has. And again, it's like everything. People can see something, and then they go off and say, oh, this is not being done, that's not being done. But you, we're going out we're providing a service. We're also in danger of this of this virus. But we're, we're, we have to work. We have to go back out, and we have to we have to do our job. Okay, so be careful with flippant remarks that can affect the whole industry. Then, yeah, I think so. And I think okay. also, you know, be careful with remarks that you know really hurt people's feelings because it's 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 stressful. It's a stressful time for us as well. Okay, you know, and, and we're trying to do the best we can. Fair play. I'll let you get on with it. Thank you, Helena. Exactly. The uh, whale's tail in Clonakilty, well worth a visit. Back after eleven. Get it off your chest. 
Call Neil Prenderville now. 1050-104-106. Red FM. With 50 euro vouchers to give away, half dozen of them every day this week, courtesy of ourselves and the very wonderful Oriel House Hotel in Ballancolic. The Oriel Bar and Bistro is the perfect place right now for food and drinks. You can check it out. It suits to advanced booking is recommended. They are doing walk-ins, but if you want to be sure of getting in, then call ahead or check out their website, orielhousehotel.ie. Beautiful period building that they add on to over the years making it into a fabulous hotel, bar and bistro. So 50 euro vouchers for calls and comments. And we'll open the phone lines for some of them as well just before midday. And on Friday, overnight, bed and breakfast stay for two in the Ellis and Tobin Connection bedrooms. And it's the epitome of luxury and style. So it'll be a nice change of scenery for you. Uh, for a night out where you'll be looked after at the Oriel House Hotel. So, uh, 650 euro bar and bistro vouchers just before midday today. Keep your calls and your texts coming. Now, I want to do some of those quirky texts that we're talking about, the things that you do differently. And this all came from Michelle in America, who's gone vital, vital, as they say, posting videos, how to make the perfect British cup of tea in the microwave, how to make fish and chips in the microwave. There should be laws against that, incidentally, shouldn't there? You shouldn't be allowed should be a crime against something or other. But what will be a crime from Monday is if you don't wear a mask in a supermarket. But who's going to enforce it? I was in a supermarket the other day and a guy came in without a mask. It didn't bother me until I was uh, over at the fruit section and he was at the bread. He was coughing everywhere. He didn't even put his hand up to cover his mouth. I just left the shop. As for the girl that was on the radio recently, if she had a medical condition, then perhaps she shouldn't be going out. She was saying she has a medical condition and doesn't have to wear a mask. I work in healthcare. We're the ones trying to save others. Wear a mask. Keep yourself and others safe. Uh, If you can't wear a mask due to medical reasons, don't go into shops putting yourself and other people at risk for non-essential items like ice cream. Um, Just wear a mask, says Kira, and then no shopkeeper or servers will be driven to rudeness. The rudeness stems from the stress evoked by seeing someone walk into the shop not wearing a mask and knowing you'll have to confront them in order to implement the rules. Also, what are we without teachers? Without the teacher, I couldn't type and couldn't text you now because nobody would have taught me how to spell. Uh, Can you possibly delve into the effectiveness of face shields? I just left a deli without purchasing anything after seeing all the serving and food prep by staff wearing these visors. If any of them cough or sneeze, there's only one direction those droplets will go, downwards. Morning, my daughter is 11. She wears a mask as an intentional act of kindness and respect. Uh, Please don't be highlighting that it's not the law. Wearing masks and visors is a moral responsibility. Well, for Monday it will be. Um, One or two more. I just wanted to share a story. I was in a supermarket the other day, saw three children running up and down the aisle, touching items and chasing each other. One child was lying down on the floor and rolling all over it. No parents to be found. Why can't they wear face shields or masks if they don't like wearing a mask? They can go face shields. Um, it's ridiculous. I bet if they did catch the virus, God forbid, they'll be wishing they didn't badmouth the shopkeepers then. Um, and then I know that I had one or two that actually came from people in um, in healthcare, um, which I will come back to when I find them. One of them was a very, very, very serious uh, text that came in from somebody in healthcare who actually... Part of their job was putting people who had died of COVID-19 in Cork in body bags. And they were making the point that they understand why a visor or a face mask makes all the difference. And you would too if you worked on the front line. So I will find that one and come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Right. Lots of other business then to get to. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone 
on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Following my conversation with Podrick at Clancy's down in Yall. And y'all is booming at the moment. And an awful lot of Irish people are holidaying at home. Imagine that maybe the mobile home and the caravan parks are very busy as well down east and down west. Listening to your caller regarding Clancy's and y'all. Well, my husband and I ate there uh, and we had a reservation only two days ago. When we arrived, it was very empty, but was full within 30 minutes. The staff and management were so good. It was well run, particularly dealing with the COVID restrictions. I have nothing but praise for the management and their team. They constantly sanitized, even down to the menus. We ordered our food and they sanitized the menus again. I fully understand why restaurants prefer bookings, even though some do accept walk-ins. I think they have a harder job now with the amount of cleaning that needs to be done, like sanitizing every time a table empties. The social distancing is also great. And there are Perspex panels between each table. Thank you for that. Do you know what just came into my head? We're kind of talking now. Like as if we were back in March. But we're not back in March. We're in August. Um, and I can't help but think that why are we still talking about these things in so much detail and so much minutia uh, when, when the numbers are so low? Uh, just a thought. We welcome your interpretation of what I just said, actually. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. All right, just bear with me because uh, if people get in touch with me, I'm happy to pick up their uh, their story and, um, you know, the response on their behalf. And I know we were talking there about people crammed on the Lewis and uh, the Lewis seems to be the wild west of transport anytime I'm on it. Uh, but it's like as if there are no issues on the Lewis with the amount of people on it. And then there was criticism over the weekend of the Spike Island Ferry. Um, one lengthy email that came across my desk was somebody who can't come on air due to work commitments highlight the very serious public health and safety issues that people will not be aware of if they're making plans to visit Spike Island. We decided, and I'm just reading this out, I wasn't there, so I don't know. My partner and I decided we would visit Spike recently, booked our tickets in advance, little apprehensive about how things would be in relation to the boat trip, but given the standard cross-public transport, we were under the impression that the guidelines would be followed. It wasn't the case. Friday, the day before our trip, my partner received an email advising that every person would be required to have a face mask to cross over. Without a mask, you wouldn't get on the ferry. We were comfortable about that. Saturday, we arrived in Cove, went to the pier kiosk to get a receipt. We were advised to follow the yellow line. But at the end of the pier, we were shocked at the number of people queuing for the ferry. People were queuing socially distanced, but we got concerned when the boat arrived. I went back to the kiosk to ask a uh, query with one lady if this ferry was doing two trips to accommodate so many people and was told that the ferry would be making one trip with all the people on board and the only advice was to get an outdoor seat if we could as it would only be for about 10 minutes. Uh, I expressed that most people would be gunning for an outdoor spot and she agreed. Back at the pier, people started boarding, filling the back of the ferry, the outdoor area. We got closer to the, the top of the queue, got anxious. We discussed leaving to go home and getting our money back. There was a lady at the top of the queue checking for receipts. Uh, I approached her. I said we were trying to decide if we wanted our money back because of the number of people on the ferry being ridiculous. We stepped out of the queue. Uh, at this point, our, our impression of Spike Island was tainted. The woman snapped loudly that they were following the numbers as advised by the authorities and the number of people on the ferry was allowed. Um, she repeated herself loudly that the queue behind us could hear all of this. I felt mortified by her behavior. We were just concerned about our safety, stayed in the queue, discussed throwing our money away. In the end, we waited until last and agreed we would stay by the gate on the ferry outside on board. We boarded, brush packed past other people, felt uncomfortable, and nearly every seat was occupied. 
adults, older family members, grannies, and as children of all ages. There was no measures of social distancing on place. In place on the ferry, we counted 85 people on that journey. The attraction was fantastic. Returned to the pier, people huddled together in the covered seating area to keep dry because it was raining going back. We didn't mind keeping our distances. We had jackets. Ferry arrived. People began to queue and no social distancing. Uh, overheard people asking if they could fit onto the ferry, even though it wasn't their allocated ferry time. The boarding began. Member staff confirmed with another that the number was so far 79. They allowed strays to join. Uh, the return journey was uncomfortable. The enclosed area was completely full. We got a sigh of relief when we were back to Cove. Public transports implemented guidelines to keep people safe. Why doesn't this apply to a busy ferry? Um, so it was quite a lengthy email. It was a fantastic trip when they got into There was no issue with Spike, but the crowded areas on the ferry were like sardines with no social distancing. And then they sent me photographs as well. Appreciate that. So that's the deal with regards to one person's interpretation of their trip over to Spike Island on the ferry. Uh, John Addis then filmed a video of um, the Spike ferry being loaded up with passengers. So while I can't, because this is radio, I can't let you see the, the video, but I think the audio describes it, though. Have a listen to this. Just when you think you can't fit anymore on the ferry, they keep jamming them on. Not much social distancing going on there. My God, I can't believe they're jamming them all on. This is unbelievable in this day and age. And this is Cork County Council. They're responsible for this. And is only interested in profits, not people at all. No interest in public safety or in doing stuff for the people of Cork. Of Cork, Cove. This is unbelievable. How many people are sitting on there? No way. Just squeeze them all on. That is amazing. John joins me by phone. Morning, John. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, I did get a response from Spike Island where they say that the capacity has been reduced by 40% per sailing. Um, yeah. And that in the 180 sailings they've ran since July, they have only had two complaints regarding distancing issues on board the ferry. What would you make of that? Well, you know, ever since Cove started, I've been kind of um, wondering what Cork County Council really do because Cove, as you know, is a well-known tourist destination and ever since the start I felt I'd never seen a presence of Cork County Council. You know, along the seafront there you have people constantly gathering, especially when the weather was good earlier on in COVID. There was a lot of people gathering and not so much social distancing and I was wondering why Cork County Council aren't more visible on the streets and Old Seafront is a bit abandoned, like it's in an awful state down in that harbour. If you saw the filth around there, they don't clean the harbour. I've, I've been on to them about um, why they don't clean it, and they say, oh, that's the Port of Cork. And then I get on to the Port of Cork, and they say, no, that's the council's responsibility. So they both... Are you, ta- are you referring to the shoreline, or are you referring to the green areas? No, the, the actual harbour there where the pier is, Kennedy Pier, which is owned by the Port of Cork, and since they built this pontoon for Spike Island, they will not allow the locals on it. It's it, it's like they say they built it for the locals, and yet they've got a gate, like a prison gate there. 
And that's another issue for people coming off the ferry. No, but what I want to what I want to drill into really is whether the government or local government are adhering to the same guidelines that they're asking the rest of us to adhere to. Say not for instance, Cork County Council don't give a damn. They're not they're not even on the scene. Like, you know, it's just the people working there for Spike Island, and you know, obviously that's a profit making business or whatever. But Cork County Council will always shy away from. Any involvement. But they are saying the categorically harbor. to me, and I'm very touchy feely because I don't want to in any way damage the brand of Spike Island and the wonderful place that it is, and I'm conscious of all yeah. of that. But they're saying that they're adhering to government guidelines set out for public transport. They're saying that well, they have reduced it by 40%. They've reduced the. What, today? They reduced it today. Capacity has I mean, been reduced by 40% per sailing. When? Always. Because, it's always been that way. I'm, well, I made that film two days ago, Neil, and literally there were so many people on the ferry that a lot of people had to stand up because there was no seats left. So how can they be abiding by it? Were you close enough you know, to be able to see people standing up on the ferry? You can see it on the video. You can see it very clearly on the video. And you can hear from the way I was talking, I was saying... To the ferry's full already and they were still jamming them on. They know? said we do get per some persons not adhering to our request to stay in their seat um, to keep their masks on etc etc but the vast majority of visitors are very compliant and we appreciate their support. Well you can see very clearly on the video that there were so many people going on the ferry when it was already full they were still jamming them on so people had to stand all the way along the aisle inside the boat okay and you heard the email the lengthy email that i read out from people who traveled upon it yeah and i'm not surprised that they're shocked but also when you come off the ferry you have to walk up this gangplank and this horrible gate that they've got that's like a prison gate it's on a spring so everybody coming off that boat there was nobody holding it open so everybody coming off that boat had to touch that gate which is, to me, like, I'm so careful about touching things. But no, everybody had to touch the gate to get out of the pontoon because it was closed with a spring action. And, you know, it stopped me from going down onto the pontoon. I like going down there and watching the sunset. It's a lovely spot, even though we're not allowed by Cork County Council. It's only for Spike Island Ferry. But, you know, who paid for this? I'm sure the public paid for it. And yet Cork County Council are trying to keep the locals off it. It's, well, maybe it's, it's a, a safe, disgrace, maybe it's know? a safety. I don't, I don't know anything about that. All I know is that firstly, they're saying they don't, they're asked them to come on air. And they, they said that they don't enter into discussions with social media complaints from persons who have not used the service. So they're yeah, well, Cork County Council just avoid all responsibility. I think they've, they've abandoned Cork or Cove, I beg your pardon. Really, we feel abandoned. I mean, I can give you loads of examples where, you know, Cork County Council are just not there anymore. I've contacted the county engineer over uh, safety issues on the streets and everything, and you don't even get a response from them. Like it's it's like we don't have a council anymore. Well, this isn't a, this isn't a time to be looking for this isn't a time to be looking for prompt responses from local government where no, many, no, where many of them are working no, remotely. No, no. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about in the last few years. But, but really, Cork County Council have abandoned a lot of the towns around Cork. I mean, they're just not doing their their job right. They should be down there keeping people social distancing. They should be making people do it. I mean, some of the local shops even aren't following the rules, and it, it makes me scared to go into them, you know? But there is no rule yet, not until Monday. 
well, I'm talking about the rules that we've been living by for the last oh, the, six months. The, or with regards to the amount Total of people left on a premises at one time. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, God, there's some shops in there and even the staff will walk right up to you and start packing the shelves, you know, and it just makes me not want to go in there. But that's the, that's the people. That's not a local yeah. government issue. No, that's public cop on. Yeah, it is. And you see, Cove has a lot of tourists, so they're all having a good time on the seafront and it's like, two different things going on in the town. The people are trying to follow the rules and county council are nowhere to be seen. You have a bug to bear with the county council, that's apparent anyway. This is what what they said just finally. They continue to adhere to government guidelines. They've reduced capacity by 40%. Everyone must wear wear a face mask. It's a 10-minute crossing. Um, All doors and windows are left open. You must book in advance. There's social distance queuing while waiting to board the vessel and they rigorously clean it. There is a schedule in place after every trip. Okay, well, all I can say is I'll go down there and film it in the next few days and see. See if, if it makes a difference. See if it makes a difference. All right, thank yeah. you for that. Appreciate it. John Adams, much obliged. Cork artist, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I was in Spike last week with my children. Everyone wore masks on the ferry. It was only a 10-minute journey. They kept families together. There were empty seats. Have to the staff were fantastic and really friendly. Brilliant attraction. It is a brilliant attraction. I don't want to be taking from it. But John filmed people getting on board. And then I had the lengthy email from people who went out there. And they were very worried about the amount of people on board. Mind you, with such a short trip, maybe a bit of cop on here, with such a short trip, which is under 10 minutes, I need to be around people for 15 minutes or more. Where's the bother? Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 14106. And you can text 0868-104-106. I'm uh, fishing on the Lee. We're talking about fishing with rods for, um, not salmon, but for trout. Um, I'm a commercial fisherman. And the guy on the air with you yesterday hasn't a clue what he's on about. The salmon this year are thicker than mackerel. They're jumping in the harbour every day. Why is that? Why aren't they so plentiful and bountiful? One would have thought that it was the mackerel who would be doing the business this time of the year. I mean, that's got to be good news. There's lots of salmon around. Uh, with the subject of fishing conversations on air, the bailiffs are not worried about the likes of trout on the lead. They're worried about the welfare of the salmon being poached. It's the fishery officer's job, basically, to get these fish into the river system to spawn safely and then return to sea. I'm on the side of the fisheries board on this one, I can tell you. Morning, my grandson and I fish along the river. We don't kill anything. We put them back into the water alive. The chances of catching any fish there is very slim, but it's the excitement of going fishing. That's the attraction, says Pat. Uh, in connection with the topic of fishing the Lee, why don't you, the inland fisheries, work with both sides together and teach young boys and girls how to fish? It's a fantastic hobby to be out and about in the fresh air. It wouldn't cost the fisheries any money, and they would grow in respect for each other. Teach them to catch fish and to release fish. It would be a fantastic thing for Cork. Uh, the bailiffs aren't worried about the likes of the Lee. Uh, they're worried about the... F- yeah, that's another person agreeing that they're not worried about people who are fishing. They're worried about the welfare of the salmon. And I suppose there's an argument to be made there. There's no point poking salmon anymore or straw-calling them. No restaurant can buy them like they used to. Uh, all animal products for human consumption have to be traceable, says Pat. Uh, don't worry about catching fish. Fish can't feel pain. Check it out. Oh, my God. If I learned something new every day, wouldn't it be a good thing? And today I've learned that fish... With a hook in their mouth, pulling it out and all that kind of thing, they can't feel pain. But what about fear, stress, anxiety? What about that? Are they living in fear? 
You can only puck from the bridges or the key walls, or the puck will sink, says Don. If you don't know what a puck is, please don't ask me to go through it again. I went through it in detail yesterday. It's a way of snaffling the fish with hooks. It's very unsporting, actually. It's not, it's not fishing, as, as, as per se, as we would know it. It's cheating. Um, lines are open. We'll come back to those texts throughout the course of the morning. Anybody interested in um, hearing stories about people who've had issues with flights? Like when, you know, when you think of the countries now, is this, what's the story going to be? So we've got five countries now taken off the green list. But what if you had a holiday booked to one of those five countries on that list? Like, say, for instance, Malta. You were going to Malta. Uh, now you can't go to Malta, right? You lose your flight, won't you? And you won't get anything back because the flight will go without you. Much like the stories we had earlier in the year for people who had Ryanair flights to different destinations. They didn't travel. The flights went and they couldn't get their money back. Some people actually do get refunds. Kate, good morning. Good morning. And How are you? We, we spoke way back in the dark ages of April, wasn't it? We did, yeah. I think it was about then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. That was right in the thick of things. In, in fact, it was even before we peaked. Um, but you were you were planning a trip to Crete. Just talk me through that. Croatia. Croatia. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. It's so we good. were one of the first flights that was um, it was cancelled straight away. One of the first flights or whatever, and um, we when we went on our Ryanair flight thing, as I had said previously, um, we, there was no no nothing to say that we had the flight booked. They had it taken off our um, account or whatever. We got emails saying that we would get vouchers. Or no, we could apply for a refund, and then we got that, you know, you, everyone was getting vouchers, but you still had to read a small print, and that um, if you wanted to get a refund, but it was only in small print or whatever. You really had to search it. Really, let, me, let me just be clear on this. Your flight was actually cancelled, Croatia, by Ryanair. It didn't fly without uh, you. No, no. It was a new flight out of Cork, so it wasn't going. They had it cancelled straight away. It wasn't going at all. It was a new a new um, flight. It was the first time going from Cork. And we're talking about how much money? Um, 1324.31. So, because the flight was cancelled, they were obliged to do something for you, and they were offering you vouchers. You refused and held out. And what happened? Refused from originally, yeah. Um, had to wait, had to wait and wait. Got a few emails and saying, you know, whatever, still vouchers or whatever. So went on the chat line two weeks ago and said, where is the refund? Because on the radio and on the papers, on media, that everyone was going to be refunded by the end of July. We were March. They said they had caught up with the whole lot of, say, March, April, May. And by everything would be cleared by the end of July. We had nothing done. So within two weeks, I'm asking a full refund. It was in the bank yesterday. You got it? Yeah. And not too far off the end of July either, in fairness to them. No, but I think that if I hadn't got, but well, we were March, let's say, or whatever, so they were on media and all that was being said. They had cleared, we'll say, they were up as far as June with what they had cleared. So that's what had worried me. We had nothing heard. And we were a March, you know, we were flying out in June, all right, but um, we had been cancelled since March, if you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, did you get the full amount into your bag? Yes, yep. So it's a good story. Absolutely, it's a good story because in their defense, because people are, we're all very critical on air until we want to use them, that is. But yeah. they must have been going through hundreds of thousands and processing lots of different refunds. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, but just because I had been on to you previously, I was telling you now we did the refund. Or I whatever. love when people come back and update on stories. Congratulations. Excited for you. Not that you wanted to title it, you were. And have you any yeah. plans now? 
Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> not at the moment, anyway. Yeah, no. I well, won't be for a while. What would you think will happen if somebody, for instance, booked a holiday to Cyprus because it was on the green list and now it's off the green list? They won't get a refund, sure they won't. Not if the flight is probably going to go, um, you know, if Ryanair or whoever is still going to fly there, they won't get it, no. Or Gibraltar, Monte Carlo, San Marino or Malta? I think so. All right, listen, thanks for coming back to me, Kate. I do appreciate it. Cheers. No problem. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Anybody else, anybody in a situation where you had planned to go to one of the green list countries that have now been taken off the green list, um, text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 1850-104106. Um, um, I knew it wouldn't be very long before people would be refusing as to whether fish can feel pain or not. Fish feel pain. All fish can feel pain. You touching the fish is equivalent to you putting your hand into an electric fire to a fish. I'll be darned. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, with regards to gatherings, right? whether it was the Lewis or whether it was the ferry trip to Spike, um, John says, I'm curious to see anyone feels the same regarding open-air farmer's markets that are held around uh, Cork. There's a market in Douglas every fortnight. It was crowded on Saturday with no physical distancing whatsoever. When we spoke to the organisers on the day, we were told if we didn't feel comfortable, we could always leave. Uh, I'm aware of someone who was in Alcante for two weeks on holidays, returned home last week and went straight to work and worked all weekend. You see, that's the kind of um, kind of nonsense that uh, we have to put up with. Went to Tremor Beach on Sunday for a walk with the dogs, jammers, barely a mask in sight. Um, I would think that you're okay on Tremor Beach without a mask, in all fairness. Um, things are not great in the UK. 46,000 are dead. And there's more lockdowns in settings like pubs are ideal breeding grounds for the virus, regardless of what you say. There's no masks and no social distancing. Our obsession with alcohol continues to be a problem. No, I don't, I don't buy that. I think it's an awful lot more than just being able to go for a pint in a pub. It's about jobs. It's about uh, livelihoods. It's about businesses. And it's about having a bit of cop on and social responsibility and doing the right things. But anyway, it's not my job here to be... Uh, advocating for the pubs to be open. I'm more of a facilitator, I suppose. Mind your house parties become a huge problem. Mark says it's not just the smoking ban, it's the price of drinks in shops and offices. You can't justify paying six euro a bottle in town when they're two euro on an off license. This is the cause of people drinking at home. If you go back 20 years ago or whatever, you'd pay a bar for a bottle and you'd pay the same for it in an off license. Back in the day, said Mark. There's a lot fewer off licenses around back in the day as well though I think you'll agree alright ok delighted for you Len Len says just back from Port McGee we were there for a week the food and the drink and both the moorings and the fishermen's was spectacular we loved it loved Port McGee and loved Valencia so I'm glad that you did uh, and thanks for coming back and letting me know um, on my Instagram page last week I gave away a weekend breakdown to uh, Port McGee and it was one uh, online uh, by uh, Maria McCoy and she lives at Market Garden in Toker and she's over the moon total state of shock when she heard you'd won online and she'll be heading off for a weekend down there. So enjoy yourself. Uh, you will really and truly love it down there. I hope you get the right weather. So congratulations to you, uh, Maria McCoy, and to whomever you choose to take with you. I will have some more gifts and prizes on my Instagram page and also I post an awful lot of photographs of the things that I do and where I get up to in the last week or two uh, on holidays. Lots of photographs up there as well. I'll be giving some passes actually, some family passes on the Instagram page for different tourist attractions in our fair county over the next week and 10 days and also some nice, nice lunch vouchers uh, for various establishments that I've come across and I'll be giving those away on my Instagram page if you're not following me probably will now 
Actually, you know, you talk about one refund. It's a, it's a bit like one bus comes along and then you see half a dozen. Same with refunds. Dave, good morning. Now, when I, Dave, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. When I spoke to you in June, you were yeah. um, in a situation with a flight. What was it? Well, we paid huge money. I said there were nine families of us. We would travel every year to Gran Canaria. Ah, now um, I'm remembering the call. Yeah. 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 At the yeah. time, we paid 1640 um, which is, is steep enough because normally we were on the ball with the flights, but we left it a bit late this year to book them. Got the family house team. So it was sixteen forty. The flight was going on the, on the tenth, and uh, lo and behold, it went it went out. But we changed it. Um, we changed it via the app uh, about three four days beforehand and cost us an extra five. I think five fifty to change it to next year. But um, we were going to have to add to that again when we go to the gate next year. But just to check in because what they do. Because one of the boys, um, he's now 11 and a half. So by the time he'll travel next year, he'll be 12 and a half. So there's a different price bracket from 12 to 15 year old. So we'll have to pay more money at the gate for him next year again. So it, it, it's not. How does it all make you feel? It's gone from 1,640, an extra 530, yeah. and even more on the gate. How does it make you feel? Uh, sick of the bone, really. But again, it was the off now nearly said lose to 1600 and I have nothing to show for it or add to it and you know, the holiday for next year hopefully is, is kind of sucked. Were you not you entitled know? to a refund? Nothing. They, they, um, we had no communication. We, ne- we never received an email back from them or we sent I think five, six emails. We still nothing back at Did all. Did the flight go without you? The flight went with 11 people on the flight. That's why you won't get any money back you see. Exactly. Yeah. And oh. it went half an hour early as well. So, But um, again the flights are going every Friday. Um, Six people uh, went on the flight to Gran Canaria. When? Eleven people went on it. Eleven, it eleven when? people on flight. When on was the 10th it? Tenth of July. Tenth of July. Would you say there are many people now on holidays overseas? Um, there are. I think there are. I mean, I, I passed a few people even last week um, in Blackpool or in our own village, and um, didn't get the suntan here. I can imagine. <laughs> can be sure the and there was people hiding were, There was a guy inside in the, in the pantry shop in Blackpool, and the, he was wearing short t-shirt. And I'd say he only fell off in. I'd say twenty-four hours before I had seen him. And he might have got it in his back garden, though. I think uh, the only thing in your back garden, like these last few weeks, is probably pneumonia. He might. <laughs> so he wouldn't have no, got it in Garrettstown. He wouldn't have got it down in Yall Beach, no. Well, we're actually down in Yall at the moment, and he wouldn't have got it today either. Like so. um Costa del Yol, not even in the best of times, you wouldn't have got that tan. I know, yeah. I wonder if people self conscious coming back with it. What? That's a piss boon, and he had it. wasn't piss uh, boon. <laughs> you know? Piss boon. Um, yeah, but look at them, the breaks, I suppose. You know, we wake up somewhere, hopefully, if things go different, maybe in February, just a couple of days, in get old, get a bit of sunshine, but. Um, yeah, but that's it. The money is paid out now, and uh, hopefully it'll be. And tell me, what's, what's life it, like you know? in y'all? Have you a mobile home down there? I thought our friends, parents here, they have a couple of mobiles here, so um, they were great to give us this one for the week. Like, so um, I know the weather was bad now this morning, but it stopped raining now. But um, look, it's better than working, you know. That's and where bad. are you in Clay Castle, or where are you? Barn? We're in the the big uh, what's it called, Summerfield, is it? Summerfield, old, I know. The old, and is the old hilltop? Yeah, is it busy? It has been busy. Yeah, I mean, we were down in the um in the in the villa last night, down in the town on the pier, just next to Moby Dick's, and all the kids. Uh, the tide was in, so high tide, so all the kids um diving and jumping off the off the side of the dock. Oh, dock. I love it! But I it was fantastic. It. All the kids went in. They're all they're all, they're all telling me, oh, it was lovely. But I, I just said, look, yeah, I'll take your word for it. And I um a I, child's I, lovely yeah. is an adult is an adult's Baltic, you know. Yeah, well, it was one or two others down again wearing good wetsuits, and they were like, they were telling me it was lovely while their lips were shaking. And I said, <laughs> Yeah, I take the word for it. 
Yeah, but um, it's busy enough, all right. There's a few around. The beach was lovely yesterday. Windy, but again, lovely. You know, as I said, it's better than it's better than looking uh, walking around the city. It's nothing good, but um, so we'll go for a walk now after it's be nice. And would you be able to get a bit of food or a t- takeaway, a restaurant, or a pint or anything like that down there? You can if you want. Yeah, there's no problem. Um, that place at the Keys Barrier, you can. We just passed it last night, but we weren't going in because we had dinner in the in Mobile. But they said, yeah, we're going to Clancy's now, I think, for Friday. So you have, yeah, you have the Keys, yeah. you have Clancy's. Farrell's is a good spot. Did that open? Do they do food? It's open as well, yeah. It's open as far as, you know, I think. I think there's a bit of mock, yeah, boycott on at the moment. <laughs> because, um, the kids are not left to um, use the gardens and they're so kind of normal over there. Uh. Place, you know? <laughs> yeah. But again, I, I wouldn't be low about think that. I think that's the word on the street, word on <laughs> the vans, as they say. You want the kids to do anything. So um, and normally, normally in, the, in the height of the summer, that's where all the kids go because they can run around in the I know, I know, I know, I know. And all the support that he's that they, they've given him for the years. But, um, but I don't know anything about that, nor the reason behind it. Yeah. But uh, that's 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 the way it is in the times that we yeah. live in. But I hope you yeah, get a, yeah. I hope you get a bit of sun. Listen, when you when you get back up, I'm going to send you a yeah. fifty euro voucher for a bar and bistro voucher for the Oriel House. You can take your better half oh, out there for a spot of lunch or something. Yeah, all right? yeah, lovely. Yeah, she could do all. She's working at the moment, also. She's finished. She finished early now today, so she's going to come now. She has the rest of the week off, and so it's handy. Oh, maybe I'll she give it to her, and she can take somebody else. You're doing fine as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Neil, thanks very much. Bye. Cheers, my man. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Much obliged. one 850 Last couple of calls and texts. I want to do some of those quirky, wacky things as well with regards to how people prepare things differently. Jenny, good morning. Good morning. Can you just turn down that radio behind you? Because I'll I think, off, fair play, are you off, are yeah. you one of the people that had booked a green list holiday and now that country's taken off the green list? Well, I had it booked now since January. So then when we realised that we'd have to self-isolate, well, we were booked to go for the 2nd of July. So when we realised then that we'd have to self-isolate, I got on to Ryanair, which took me days and hours on hold. And you know yourself now, you can't get through to them. And uh, eventually I got onto them through a chat and I said that uh, I told him that I'm working in a hospital so I couldn't come home and just go straight back to work. And I also have an underlying condition which wouldn't make it safe for me to, you know, to be to fly. So between but, uh, the jigs and the reels then, you paid extra to push those Malta flights paid, back to the exactly. end of August? I paid an extra 200 then they wouldn't change and farm me free charge and they wouldn't refund even... Due to the, you know, if I said I had a doctor's note to say that I had an underlying condition and they wouldn't entertain it. They wouldn't have any of it. The flight was going. If you weren't on it, that was your problem. So you must have been very happy then when you heard Malta. You had your flights. You paid 200 extra. Yeah. Yeah. I was delighted. And it was like we paid 700 originally, 721 originally. So like we're up up to 900 now. And then Malta gets taken off the green list. How do you feel about that? Ah, sure, we're disgusted now because I'd say we, won't, we definitely won't be going now, you know, until then, you know, it's just something we were looking forward to. there now since January, so. And as I said, I wouldn't care. Even if they said, look, you can have a voucher that'll do you next year, or, you know, or even if I thought that the government made the airlines at least give the money that they're keeping belong to people to charity, or, you know, not just... For the airlines to be I know, but you see, the, the Malta flight will go. It'll be the same as the scenario you had back in July, you know? I know, I know, I know, I know. And it'll probably go now with half, if not less. So you wouldn't go to Malta and then isolate for a fortnight, no? Well, I wouldn't because in the first place, I'd be using up holidays. 
you know, and I, I wouldn't have the holidays, you know, to, to take a month off work now. I wouldn't have the holidays, really, to do that. Plus now, I mean, I do have an underlying condition, so I wouldn't be... I don't think I'd be as relaxed on a holiday over there now if it's a case that the, that the coronavirus is on the rise over there. I know, I, I know. Be, no, I wouldn't be as... Like, all along, no, I knew the, the numbers were very low over there, so I was saying, you know, we'd be safe enough. But I don't think I'd be as confident now. And do, do, do you know of people who have gone off on sun holidays, I wonder? Um, not, no, not. I don't really know of anybody myself, no, no. All right, so so close and yet so far. Yeah, you thought you I were know. going. I know. <laughs> I That's know. a bummer. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to organise a bar and bistro voucher for you for the Oriel House. Take yourself out for a oh, spot of lunch, all right? Might brighten you, might brighten up enough. your day a little bit, okay? We knew it was around that day that we were meant to fly out. Listen, on that day, head out to the Oriel, have a spot of lunch, glass of vino, bring whoever you want with you and enjoy it. Exactly. Thanks a million. Stay on the line there, okay? And we'll get details and get it out okay. post, right? We have vouchers every day, 50 euro bar and bistro vouchers every day this week for the Oriel House Hotel Bar and Bistro. So we'll open the phone lines for a few of them, but I want to read out some more texts, particularly the wacky ones uh, as well, just before I leave you. So we were talking earlier on about the Yank who was teaching them how to make English tea in the microwave. Um, Chris said... Uh, she and I was saying, is there anybody out there that does different things, wacky things, ways of doing things? Chris says she boils her sausages before go, before going out to the beach for a barbecue. Now, does anybody know why she boils the sausages? Is it just to make sure that they're cooked, um, so that there's not any kind of food poisoning on the beach with the barbecue and a half cooked sausage? That that's an interesting thing to do. Like you can, people do that with a lot of different things. You know, they would prepare them in an oven and then finish them on the barbecue, even a chicken and things like that. My grandmother, this is people's tea habits. My grandmother, when making tea, has a habit of squeezing the tea bag against the milk carton to drain the rest of the tea into the tea bag into the cup. Why? Well, I mean, why doesn't she just squeeze the tea bag against the side of the cup? Strange, but this has been away for years. And the cup of tea is savage, would be fair to her. What do they call it in, in the UK? Builder's tea, is it? Is builder's tea like two tea bags? Really strong tea. Uh, I used to live in America for years. And lots of Americans that I knew used to make the tea in the microwave. There's nothing new about it in America. I nearly got the gawks every time and quickly changed my mind once I saw a cup go into the microwave. If you ever ask yourself the question why tea in America tastes awful in restaurants, we now know. It's because it's water and tea that's prepared in the microwave. Hi, Neil. For the perfect cup of tea, boil the kettle once, scald the cup, put in the Barry's tea bag, fill up the cup, wait a minute or two, add milk and sugar if desired. Um, you never took the tea bag out. You gotta say, take the tea bag out. When I used to live in Spain in the mid-2000s, they'd no such thing as a kettle to boil the water for a cup of tea. They used to have these old pots you would boil on the gas hob, which would take ages. Because I wouldn't have much room to bring a proper kettle back with me in my bag, I bought a mini kettle at the airport in Cork. And this did me while over in Spain. I only got about enough hot water for two cups, but it was necessary to get the proper daily cuppa. My flatmates were amazed at it, as they'd never seen or used a kettle before, says Sharon. Can I make a a confession? I don't know if I ever said this before, but years and years ago, in the early 80s, when I first saw the first tea bag, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to use them. I was so stupid and green behind the ears that I tore the tea bag open and poured the pieces of the leaves into the cup. 
not realising that the tea and the tea bag went in. There's another phenomenon as well. I saw an ad during the week. Why didn't anybody think about this before? Coffee bags. Coffee in bags, just like tea in bags. How come that never came on before? Anyway, our lines, is that it on those? Um, also, listen, there are other quirky things you can do with a microwave, like the, the jury's out as to whether the scrambled egg is better in a pan or better from the microwave. I microwave scrambled eggs, and I think they're absolutely fine. Others wouldn't necessarily agree with me. Um, but anyway, open the phone lines now, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We will give away um, perhaps three... Uh, by phone, and then the others by calls and texts, and I know I've given away two already. Um, maybe we might uh, square one away for somebody who um, pre-boils their sausages before they go on a barbecue trip to the beach. But get dialing for the other ones now. We've got those 50 euro bar and beast vouchers to give away every single day. one 106 And we'll come back to it in the morning and give away some more on top of that. Uh, I'm nearly out of time at this stage. I know that there were a lot of other calls and texts that I wanted to get on air, but I'm not going to have... Uh, opportunity to do it but i will just finish on some tests with regards to not moving through the phase we seem to be as obsessed with the idea of a covid free country it never was and is never going to be a covid free country we have to learn to live alongside this virus like other countries but it's too late as the baffling government decisions have already destroyed what matters even as much the economy julian says i think ireland is the only place in europe that doesn't have pubs open I may be wrong. We have managed here in Lanzarote and so far a lot of other countries too. I think what it really is about is trust. As for the so-called green list, it is laughable to start with. As a country, you have to move on and live and manage with the virus going forward. The longer people are out of work, the harder it is going to be to recover from it. I still see no checks in the airports in Ireland, for instance. And Orla said, either close all the pubs or open all the pubs. There should be no in-between. You can be sure the majority of pubs that are open are not sticking to the recommended time allowed on the premises either. And if you have other examples of pubs that have adapted, whether it's using mobile chippers or takeout orders or what have you, do get in touch. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.